to contact you regarding your car's extended warranty for quite some time now. This will be our final attempt to try and reach you. Hello. Can you hear me? I can. I can hear can you. Hear That's good. That's a good sign. That is a good start. <laughs> um, so recording a random fucking episode. Um, there was going to be more of us. There might be more of us. I don't know. I sent out an invite to a bunch of people. Um, and who knows what's going to happen here. I don't know if the anonymous Tony, Tony, Tony is going to show up. He had, um, prior obligations. He's fighting a war in Afghanistan. Um, and so, yeah, so you, we were right before we started recording, you were talking about the fact that you are now getting sucked into youth sports because your, your kids are becoming of age of these things of like the, and not like when I say getting in, um, I, I, your kids are getting the age where like, it's getting real. It's not like YMCA basketball anymore. It's. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's just like, and it's so funny how it happens, right? It's like, you know, my daughter who's seven was, I guess, uh, five at the time, which yeah, five at the time. And she was, we, we signed her up as basically a free agent for this league. Um, and the guy that actually owns this indoor facility, it's a pretty sweet facility, uh, was actually coaching the team and because his daughter was out. Well, lo and behold, his daughter and this guy run their own club team. And Marcella, she played well. She's very good. She's, she's, a, she's a little... She's a little shit, but she gets after it. And um, anyways, after I, I actually called her, I told my wife, I said, you know, we're going to get an email from Mike, the head coach of her, this team that she was on, asking about, you know, because we, we, we didn't know going into it, but we knew, you know, halfway through it that he ran this club team. And so sure enough, week five of this 12-week league, he sends us now and says, you know, hey, she really seems to enjoy it. She's pretty dang good. You know, could we, would you guys be interested in doing club? And so, of course, my wife got very happy about it. We call it soccer. And so, of course, she was giddy about it. And then she, and I said, time out. Like, we need to find out more information about this because at six years old, like, I'm not running my daughter to three practices a week and then tournaments all weekend. Like I'm not six years old. That's just too young. And so I, I, I talked to him about it. And he, he basically gave us the rundown of what club, at least club soccer is all about in St. Louis. And you know, for folks that don't know St. Louis, it's youth soccer in St. Louis is how I would equate youth football in Colorado. It's, if you're, you know, even girl or boy, um, it's huge up here, and it's big money. Teams, clubs are very well endowed, you know, and, and everything of that sort. So, anyways, I was talking to the guy about it, and he's like, "Listen, he's like, I want to go take those bigger clubs down." Basically, is what his thing was is like the reason you play, you pay. $2,200 a year for club 
soccer is uniforms, coaches, and field rental, right, for practice and games, et cetera, and tournament duties. He goes, well, I own my own facility, and his facility is actually indoor, but he's got two full-size soccer fields, outdoor soccer fields, not indoor soccer with boards around the side. It's outdoors, so they play outdoor rules inside. It's all turf. It's a hell of a facility. He goes, and through the company, I get huge discounts on uniforms and everything else. Um, and so he's like, and I don't, I'm, you're, you guys aren't obviously going to pay me a salary to coach a team. Right. My daughter's on the team, which for a little bit was jading me a little bit, I would say. It's like, okay, your daughter's on the team. Like, man, are we going to get into, well, your daughter's going to play short soccer. Your daughter's going to play striker. Your daughter's going to hit in the pole. You know, that that type of crap. And honestly, he's, he's just as hard on his daughter as he is every one of these other girls. You know, and so, anyway, she's been doing it now for... I guess her first full year was last year and she likes it. I mean, I, I sat her down and just said, Hey, you know, this is a, this is a commitment, not only from you, but from mom, you know, and it's not just a monetary commitment. It's a time commitment. It's actually more of a time commitment. I would say. Yeah. the, The money thing is like, it's, don't get me wrong, like U Sports is expensive and I don't love paying for it. Yeah. But it's just money. Like yeah. the time thing is whew. Well, yeah, I mean when you're talking about depending on what sport it is, I mean like soccer, you know, we have some neighbors that play pretty like one of our one of our neighbors, their son plays ODP, so Olympic Development Program which that's actually not even taking place in St. Louis. It's taking place out in Columbia, Missouri. So every other Thursday, he leaves work, picks his kid up from school at noon. So it takes him out for a half day on Thursday to make it out to practice in Columbia, which is two hours away for a three-hour training session with the Olympic development team. And then they go and do tournaments, but he also plays club on Saturday. And the kid's good. I mean, you know, he's, he's, He's really good, actually. I mean, you know, and, and like he's playing two years up. He's a he's a sixth grader playing eighth grade, and but he played. You know, these tournaments. It's like, hey, we're we're doing a tournament. We're down a player. Blake, can you come play with us? It's like, yeah, okay. Well, now I'm gonna go play seventh grade. I mean, there was there's weekends where he'll literally play six six soccer games a week. That's crazy. You know, that's a lot of soccer. Your mic went away. That's weird. Why did it do that? Go ahead. Can you hear me now? I can hear you clicking now. So yeah, and I can hear you talking now. All of a sudden, my thing said it was like your default mic went away and blah, 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 all kinds of, I don't even know, but whatever, (laughs) you're back. So we're good. The joys of Zoom. But anyways, I mean, yeah, I, I, him and him, his dad and I are pretty good friends. And I just, I brought it up to him and said, do you ever worry about burning, burning him out on him? You know, he's not even in high school yet. He's, he's a seventh grader now this year. 
And he's like, you know, I, I we talked to him about it, and he just seems he's just all in on it right now, which is good. But you know, would it shock you know, like you said, would it shock me if he turns around and you know, eighth grade and was like, yeah, I'm good. I don't want to do it anymore. Wouldn't shock me. But yeah, and that's my concern with Marcella is that you know, as long as as long as you're having fun and you're competing and I'm not one that's going to sit here and say, you know, you got to be winning. Because I don't think losing teaches it just as much as winning. Probably more than, you know. Oh, yeah. For sure. I mean, I I use... That's all I care about. Right. Compete. I use the... um, the meta, I don't, I don't metaphor. I don't think it's the right word, but you told me a long time ago that, um, at your job that you got pulled in by the owner or whoever it was that somebody way high up yep. and it was you and some other guy. And he was like, I want to know what makes you guys click. Like what, how is it that you two are so much better at doing X, Y, and Z for your job than all these other people. And what it ultimately landed on was that you both played youth sports from a young age through college and it made you ultra competitive and and like you wanted to close deals. I mean, here's the thing, like I can tell you, um, not, it's not so much with Wyatt because Wyatt is, he is a different breed of different breed. Um, Caden is i mean that kid is he's really hard on himself and it's not always unwarranted i think you should be hard on yourself but like um you know this year with this new team that we're with i've had to tell him a few times like dude the emotional stuff like throwing the helmet sort of stuff can't happen you know like it's in if for no other and not only just because i'm coaching but also because like that's one of the this club's rules is like you're not going to throw your fucking helmet you're not going to slam your bat you're not going to cuss at the umpire you're not going to do any of that stuff and so i mean at at practice on wednesday um he was he was doing hit tracks and um i told him two more ball or two more pitches and the first one, um, he fouled off, whatever. And the second one, he completely whiffed on. And he'd, he'd been sick for like 10 days. So he missed two lessons. He missed two practices. Not to say that that's an excuse to go all the way back to the shit you were doing previous to this. But like, he sort of fell out of sync a little bit, whatever. But he completely whiffs on this ball. And on the finish of his swing, he literally he just dropped the bat on the ground and like, Pick, I said, grab another, like, take another one. And he picked the bat up and got out of the cage and went and, like, motherfucked himself somewhere down the tunnel a little bit. And, like, um, one of the other coaches who's taken a liking to him, he, he's a kid that I can't, I don't know what position he played, but he played baseball for Gonzaga. And um, he's taken, he's taken a liking to Caden because Caden is coachable and he's, competitive and you know all this and he pulled him aside and he like worked through some stuff he's like listen this is what you were doing you know you're you weren't getting your hands back your elbow your back elbow is too high and your load like all this stuff and Caden got it and eventually he was fine but um it's he's super hard on himself but 
I believe that he will always be motivated by a competition. I mean, like when I, I didn't know for sure, I was pretty confident, but I didn't know for sure that he was going to be able to pull off a 3.0 that late in the game. When I, when I text him or when I, when I said to Megan, I was like, I really would like to go to opening day. I think it would be amazing to go to opening day in Bush in, in, or at Bush in St. Louis. And, but I, I, I already knew that I was taking Wyatt to the Royal Rumble in January and that, she and I are going to Vegas in February. So like, I didn't want to be overbearing and then be like, and so also I'd like to take this trip in March. Um, and it's just going to be me and Caden probably, you know, that sort of thing. And so I was like, but maybe we can motivate him and we tell him like, if you can pull off 3.0 by the end of the semester, you get to go. And it like lit this fire under him. Now, granted, he's at a brand new school that, he is thriving in and they're taking better care of him. And like, there's all this stuff going on where like he's in a way better spot, but the, the competition side of it, the side of it that was like him thinking like, yeah, I can probably, I mean, a 3.0 based on where I'm at right now might be a stretch, but like, I'm going to give it everything. And like, he was doing research on like, how do you get a 3.0? Like, what do your grades need to be? for it to average out to a 3.0 and like he was talking to the school counselor and like talking to all these people trying to like come up with this plan of like you know because he's he does as much as he needs to do he's not he's never going to be like mr 99 percent a kid um in school stuff i mean he tries to do it in sports but um he put his foot down and was like, I'm going to do what I can to get this thing because I want to go and I think it'd be cool. And like it's during spring break. So it's not, he doesn't even have to miss school for it. Um, and he did it. And I was like, all right, well, I guess I have to take you to opening day now. I mean, I don't know. And, but it's, those things are like, I mean, the kids that I coach, I can just see a distinct difference in them versus like Caden's friends that come over that don't do sports. It's just like a night and day difference when it comes to like, kind of like how they are. They're, I won't say they're like more polite or better kids, but like they're, they're just way different. It's a way different animal. Yeah, I think there's an edge to it, right? I mean, I think there's an edge to. It's a personality trait. There's an edge to it. You're kind of. I'm not going to say you're born with it because, you know, like, <laughs> you know. If, if my mom or my dad were to sit there and say, you're born to be this, like, oh, oh okay. Like, what what parent's not going to sit there and say, well, you're born to be, a, you know, a first-round, first-overall pick in the MLB draft. Like, but I think it's – a lot of it has to do with upbringing, but a lot of it also has to do with – the 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 internal personality of like I'm not gonna say it's a self esteem thing because usually very competitive people don't have low self esteems sometimes they do I would say but I would say it's more so more of that it's just a learn mentality at the end of the day and it's not like Caden you know this is the thing I look at with Gav you know Gavin's the youngest boy let alone the youngest easily the youngest kid 
in our neighborhood. And like, you know, he's out back playing soccer or playing baseball with, with and basketball and football and wanting to be one of the big kids, you know? And like, I'm like, guys, he's, yeah, I told Sarah this because he gets, when, when, when Sarah wants to wrestle with him, like, he'll get a little rough. And I'm like, hey, dude, chill out. You know, but she's just like, geez, like, he's strong. He's, you know, everything else. And I said, well, Sarah, he's the youngest kid out of all these kids in our neighborhood. Like, he's going to be probably the toughest little SOB that we know. Oh, for sure. Because he's been nothing but around bigger kids. And then all of a sudden he starts competing against kids his age. And, and Gabe, you know, Gavin's a 99 percentile in height. He's like 85th in weight. Whatever that means, it means. But, you know, he's more than likely, I mean, our, our pediatrician basically looked at me. And I'm 6'2". She looked at me and said, he may be 6'4", 6'5". Like, well, if he's six four, six five, I'm going to teach him how to throw left handed. You know, absolutely wouldn't, swing. Wouldn't be a terrible but, idea. Yeah, right. Well, I think we're kind of behind because he just he picks everything up right handed, but he swings a left handed. But you know, and, and I just I said, but he's a broad kid. You know, he's he's like his bone structure is broad. So anyway, I think back to the whole competing thing. I think it's just. It's a mentality. I mean, do I constantly want to be competing and doing things? No, but it's always in the back of my mind. Yeah. Like literally as as we were sitting here waiting to get on the this podcast, it was like, I'm just gonna sit here in my office and work. <laughs> I mean yeah. is is my next colleague doing this? No. You know, I can see that they're not online. Well, that's okay. But you know what? I'm I'm online. I'm here. I got time. You know, there's nothing better to do. And right, I'm just gonna sit here and I'll compete you for the next. And that's hour. that's the difference that we're seeing right now with the clubhouse that we're in versus what we were doing last time last year. Which I'm not gonna sit here and say that like the last clubhouse we were in was terrible. It wasn't. Um, this one is just it's just different. And um, one of the things, like some of those videos I sent you of Caden when he's tapping on the screen, doing that stuff, yeah. there's an app for it that you put on the iPad or phone or whatever. That's it's a way condensed version, but it's just repetition. So like he can just grab his iPad upstairs when he's done playing some Fortnite or fucking call of duty or whatever it is that he's doing. And he can just get some reps on that while he's not even at the clubhouse. And it's not just always the, um, the physical reps, you know, swinging a bat and throwing a ball, but like literally the, um, I'm sending an invite. Um, the hand eye coordination. Yeah. All of that. That's like so incredibly important. And, 100%. you know, I mean, especially in, in that sport, of course. Um, well, in all sports. So, I mean, I think the biggest thing too is, is, and I don't mean to cut you off, but it's like the, the, the coachability. Right. Like there's, in my opinion, being, you know, whatever you want to call it, a, a college athlete or, you know, played athletics at a high, high level, you know, the, 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 the two things that got me as far as I did was, 
uh, I guess the the given is the physical ability, right? <laughs> like, you know, everybody looks at like a guy like Manny Ramirez. Well, if Manny Ramirez couldn't hit a ball a mile, like let alone a 98 mile an hour fastball, hit it out of the park quite a few times a year. That guy'd probably be locked up somewhere because he's a numbskull. Yeah. Right. But he just had this unique ability. Like so the physical part is a big factor, especially when you get into the higher levels of, of athletics. But even more so, it's the mental side of things of I may not be the biggest, most physical kid out here, or I may not be the fastest, but you know, I know how to run the bases really well. I know how to get jumps. I know how to bunt. I know how to do all these other little things that is going to make me seem fast from somebody that doesn't know the sport very well. And, but I'm in reality, I'm not. Pujols, when he was young, when he was playing with the Cardinals, his first 10 year stint with us, like everybody thought, hey, he's pretty quick for a first base. No, the guy just knew how to run the bases yeah. and get jumps on guys. Yep. I mean, he was doing it this last year. I mean, he, he probably had. I don't think he had 10 stolen bags, but he probably had seven to eight where it was flat out. Like the, he was four steps turned before that pitcher even went to the dish. And it's just like, he, he, it's, it's, it's knowledge, it's mentality. Yep. It's, it's studying the game. It's studying your opponents. It's all this other little intricate stuff. And, you know, I, I mean, we talk about it, you know, the guy that used to coach, uh, catch a TJ before I was there. We talk about it all the time. It's like, man, if some of this stuff was at our disposal of YouTube videos, Dude. all of this stuff, like, I'd have been so much further along by the time I even hit college in Arizona that, like, some of that stuff was just shocking me when I got to college in Arizona. Like, wait, what? You guys are doing what? How does this work? How does this drill work? You know, what do you do? And, and it's, nothing against my college or my high school coaches, but my high school coaches <laughs> really didn't run into much. I, I don't want to say ran into much talent, but, you know, outside of Gorsett and myself and Gase and Dakota, like there wasn't much talent just roaming around campus. So like they kind of just let us do what we did and, and you know, Dakota and Luke were, were, you know, first off and outfielders, so they were concerned about hitting. Sure. You know, myself and Jace being a pitcher and catcher, it was like, there was a little bit more coaching up, but not as much as, like, when you get into the, the, the college level. You know, granted, Arizona was, I mean, that's that's still to this day the, the, the most intricate level of baseball I've played, I would put it. Even at a four-year, like some of these, and I'm not saying four-year, like top 25 D1, you know, but the, the junior college I was at was. Intricate how? I mean, I, I get intricate baseball, but matter. like, yeah. The details matter, right? It's not, it's not inning to inning at that point. It's pitch to pitch. It's positioning on. You know, it's it's your middle infielders being engaged with your catcher, looking at signs. They see a sign, they position themselves based off whether it's off speed, fastball, where we're going, in, out, up, down, all this stuff. It's it's intricate and, and like 
there's just little things when you when you start thinking of the game that way, especially baseball. Like it, it, it like baseball is a boring sport to watch on TV. If, especially if you don't know dick about baseball. Well, yeah, even more so if you don't know shit about baseball. But even me knowing, I would say quite a bit about baseball. Like I watch a game on TV, and it's like, yeah, okay, you know, you're you you have this camera shot behind the pitcher that right. you're seeing the signals the catcher gives. You're not seeing infield a move and shift based off of, and I'm not talking like the shift, five, you right. know, one side of the field. Right. But, you know, you see the infield, you know, that shortstop, if it's off speed to a left-handed hitter, he may take three, four, five steps up the middle because it's probably going to be a pull play, right? One of the things I remember talking to Caden about when we were down in the Ozarks, you know, his coaches really didn't really, I don't know if they just didn't have the wherewithal to or whatever, but you know, he's an outfielder, he's playing center field, and it's like, dude, not many kids your age are going to pull a fastball. They're not. Right. They're not. They're going to be behind on fastball. So if you if you see fastball, play the oppo gap at least two steps, three steps. Give them that. If they pull it, hats off. Fine. So be it. Right? But if you see an off-speed pitch, you better be looking at that catcher's signals as a center fielder. And, okay, I'm going to cheat one way or the other. I'm gonna, or even if you're not cheating because you're just unsure, you better be leaning Right, that that little bit is going to give you that extra step when you get to a ball. Do you think that um, for just just because you brought up like a middle infielder paying attention to a catcher a catcher signs, that mm-hmm. pitch com is going to completely like hurt the game? I know, like, because especially because like I know some middle infielders are wearing the unit too to hear it, mm-hmm. but are they like if? Is everybody is that standard practice, or is it usually just the catcher and the pitcher with the with the communication? Uh, I mean, I would say I would say probably ninety percent of big league clubs, their shortstops wearing a headpiece, you know, with the pitch comment. You know, it's it's just it's so important. You know, if they especially with runners on or even without runners on. I mean, there's so many positioning things that, that it, it, like if you look at a big league dugout, that's why you look at. You know, a guy like Skip Schumacher, right, for the Cardinals last year, he was positioning your infielders based off of what pitch he thought Yachty was going to call. And if Kisner was behind the plate, what pitch Max called, right? But then you look at um, McGee, he's positioning his outfielders. They all have have, um, the cards cards that have tendencies, Mm -hmm. right, in the back of their hands. Right. So, hey, we're going to, you know, that's the biggest difference, I would say, in, in big, big league baseball and, and collegiate baseball. But even collegiate baseball, you get into this like, hey, we are going to approach this guy. I don't care if he's walking four times. We are not giving him a fastball on the inside half of the play because he mashes. You know, but or we are just going to get. So if a ball is in play, more than likely it's going to be a hook ground ball to the six hole. Because it's going to be off-speed, he's going to be way out front, he's going to hook it into the six-hole, or it's going to be, if he somehow times it up, it's going to be a shot into the right center gap. I mean, Kurt, Kurt could talk about it, Cramsey, our first baseman, all of us, we're constantly communicating. You know, even our first baseman, we're, 
we're really looking at, you know, all right, Adam gave a sign. Nick, our shortstop, he moves. He's behind his back giving a sign to the outfielder, you know, open hand, close hand, close hand, fastball, open hand, off speed. Kurt's relaying that to his right and center fielder, who Kurt was our center fielder, or right and left fielder. But then Cramsey, who's our first baseman, is also looking at Nick and seeing what he does. Because if it's a if we got a, a guy that throws hard, you know, I would say mid nineties, like there is a chance that that fine chance, and he's a right-handed hitter, that he's going to try and shoot one down the line on the first baseman. Cramsey may hug the line a little. You know, and so that's what I when getting back to your original question about like the the details and the intricacy of when you get to that level and and offensively, I go on and on about offensively. Like this is know. why I love baseball the way I love baseball because there is so much there. It's mm-hmm. and here's here's the other thing that I love too is like with football, football is football is football if you ask mm-hmm. me like in in general basketball is basketball is basketball so like if you talk same teams you're gonna have the same offense yes whereas if out, i if i talk to you about baseball it is going to be a different conversation than if i talk to yadi about baseball and then if i talk to uh brian reynolds about baseball or any i mean like just it it doesn't matter the, it's mm-hmm. going to be a different conversation even if it's just like um like the the difference between you are a catcher for your whole life and we talk to a guy that's been a center fielder for his whole life like the the game of baseball is a different from from both of your perspectives you're you're used to calling a game you're used to like you know i mean i i watched the other day i watched like um i don't remember what it was called what type of highlight video it was of yachty's but it was something of Yachty's, you know, where he literally just, he knows baseball so fucking good that Uh he knew what, what type of jump you were going to get. He knew where to call. I mean, like, even if you go, you go back and look at like, um, actually what started me to watching it was I got the new edition of the Cardinals magazine and I was reading through it. And there was like in the magazine was like the top, their top 10 moments of Yachty's career or something like that. And one of one of the moments in there was the at bat um, in 2006 when Wayno um, struck out Beltron, and mm-hmm. that for Yadi to call a first pitch curve and k- completely catch him off, and then like to go fastball and then to go curve again and then he fouled one off and then like to go curve again to get him looking. Um, nope. For him to know in that moment, like he's gonna be looking first fist, first pitch fastball, so we're gonna go Uncle Charlie, and yeah, like little shit like that. That's just like the intricacies of the game make it so infinitely in- interesting to me. Now I get, I'm not gonna sit here and pretend that it's like the most action packed, high intensity <laughs> thing that's ever existed. It's not. If you're thinking, I mean, I think it's a thinking man's game, right? Like me personally it's, it's like, like chess if yeah if you can comprehend it's a huge strategy game right it's a huge like i want to be two steps ahead of what they're doing defensively offensively and yeah. vice versa yep. you know um but i think you know it, there was nothing more giddy to me 
that honestly, as a catcher, there was nothing more giddy to me than absolutely calling back to back to back pitches, whether it was three gassers right down the pipe. I know you're not going to catch up with this. You've been late the whole game. It's cold. You're you're an outfielder. You're not moving your legs that much. You're not warmed up. I was noticing you on deck. You're not swinging. You're not swinging a weighted bat. Not to say weighted bats do anything, but your your blood's not full. Right. And then all of a sudden, I'm going to crank 92 on your hands with a little bit of dive to it. You're not catching. You're not. You're not hitting that. You know. What and would you when you so, by throwing a curveball or a changeup? I'm going to go inside and inside again, and I'm going to sit you down with three straight pitches in on your hands. But there was nothing more you did than that. How confident were you in? I mean, obviously, as you get into, you mean like the pitchers in the big leagues can, in general, can put the ball wherever you ask them to put it, right? But as a high school catcher, was it was it like, I mean, I assume you knew, you know, if you had so-and-so on the mound, probably can't just like say up and in because he's probably going to throw it into the other dugout or some crazy shit like that. But like, is there a, is there a relative level of confidence in some of that? Like, you know, like yeah, eight out of 10 of these guys can put it wherever I ask them to put it. Yeah. I mean, you, I mean, that's what bullpens are for, right? It's like, you know, I took bullpens pretty seriously. And even in high school, I took bullpens pretty seriously because it was like, you know, and it kind of stemmed from Gorsett, to be honest. He was, he, you know, he was a thrower. He wasn't a pitcher. He threw hard. Mm-hmm. He was a slider, but you know, it was like we're gonna go three three batters, you know, and this is how we're gonna work on. This is what we're gonna do. And I would say the the most fun guy to catch in high school was Jace because he was just nasty and he was pinpoint. And he was a lefty. Yes, he is a lefty. And he had a huge, huge hand. I'm talking to Caden real quick. Yeah. But I think when you, when, I, I, I mean, yeah, there was definitely guys that I knew going into a game. Hey, you're our three: Colt Smith, James, James, uh, Reedy. James, what was his last name? Reedy. Like. You're you're throwing ninety two to ninety five, but you may spike a fastball five times. You may throw a fastball forty feet, and uh-huh. if a runner's on third, I got to do whatever I can to block that ball. And you know, it is what it is. I mean, Reedy was the type of guy that would literally headbutt my catcher's helmet before we went up. You alluded to this. This it's so funny. This is it's going to make sense in about ten seconds, but. It's so funny that you brought this up earlier because entering the chat right now is the guy that caught before you at TJ. Oh, shit. <laughs> I text him like 10 minutes before you said something about him on here. Um, yeah. What's up, man? What's up, fellas? How you been? Good. Yeah. Yeah, we were just talking about catching, dealing with high school stuff and the difference between high school ball and college ball and the intricacies that come into play that you and I wish we would have known about <laughs> prior to getting into college ball and you know all this stuff now that these kids have at their fingertips with YouTube and everything else it's just insane 
I think I've sh I've shared some videos with you before. Yeah. 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 It's insane. I mean, you know, just the the drills and the thought process and just how how you know, I, I think yeah, I I'd be the first one to admit when I got to college, I mean, there was times where I'm like, Jesus, we weren't doing this shit in high school. Like, what am I doing? You know, and I was you know, the big the the best thing was is is I had my junior college coach, he was a prick, but he was he was a good prick. I mean, from that way, it was like, dude, you 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 might have been a top five to ten percent player in your state in high school. Because I got a roster full of top five to ten percent internationally. Because where I went to JC was like, yeah, there's the top five to ten percent kids out of Puerto Rico. We had the top two percent kids out of Australia coming to play for us. Like, you're nothing when you get to college and you just kind of start over and learn at that point. I don't know. What was it like at Wesley? I didn't go to Wesley. Oh, <laughs> I thought, you went to Mendo, right? Yeah. That Wesley was the last place I wanted to go. And oh. that was the thing that fucking Gilman, he, <laughs> he offered me to go to Wesley out of high school. When I got done with Juco, I was like, Hey coach, you got any recommendations? He was like, I got Westland. I was like, I would have went there if I wanted to out of high school, but I wasn't mm. trying to shut no off the off the the grass to just play some baseball. Right. But uh, yeah, it's kind of crazy. Um, when I went to Cali, um, you realize how many how many schools there's 88 JUCOs just in the state of California. Yeah. And I was at like one of the smallest ones. <laughs> What are the big ones out there, like Sac or American River? They are Sac City. Those are like uh, Santa Rosa. Uh, but down down south, I mean, there's Saddleback, there's yeah. LA Harbor and all those schools down there. Yeah. Doritos. We would actually go down there every, every, uh, every spring for a tournament down by Disneyland. Oh, really? Yeah, it, it was it's crazy how many big ass dudes you'd see, and we were like, "Damn, man, isn't it funny?" I would say the biggest thing still funny to me in junior college was like, if you would you would go through fall ball, right, with the roster coming out of the roster, and then all of a sudden you come in back for the spring, and you're like, "Yeah, well, for me down in Arizona, it was like, yeah, we got." Two ASU transfers. We got two U of A guys. We got a GCU guy coming down from Grand Canyon, and it, it, like, and these guys were dudes, you know. But they just they they either didn't have the grades to play, or you know, whatever the case may be. And like, they were dudes, so it was like the fall roster just completely flipped on its head come the springtime. Not tremendously, but it was like, man, you go out and you, if you want to be a good JUCO team. You're gonna go out and get some transfer guys mid mid year, and do some big time, some big time stuff. At least that that's how it was in Arizona. I don't know if you guys got that out in Cali or not. Not necessarily. Hmm. Um, we we would have some transfers, but uh, not not at the school that I was at. Really? Yeah. Do you I ever watch? Uh, for a minute. What was that? 
DJ was kind of a pipeline for Mendo for a minute. Yeah. What were that you going to ask, Sean? Um, do, have you ever watched that Netflix show, Last Chance You? Uh, I've watched the football one. Caden has watched every episode of every version of Last Chance You there is. Well, what's crazy is like the one in, in uh, Kansas, I played like that, that those schools, like when I was at my, uh, my NAIA school in Wichita. So I, I had like a small connection there. Then when I'm going out to California, um, I'm literally seeing the schools that I played, um, same JUCO system in basketball or, uh, Actually, it was football out there, and then they went to the basketball in Southern Cal, but they still played some of the schools that I played. Yeah, you went to Friends, right? Yeah. Friends. I don't know why I was saying it was. What do you, Sean, um, we talked briefly about this earlier, but because you're a business owner, um, what do you think? Were you were you only baseball, or did you play other sports? I, I played just baseball in high school. I should have played all the sports, but I, I didn't. Do you think that it did? And did you play? Um, obviously, I, I just heard. I mean, I, I knew, but um, talking about playing after high school. But did you play youth baseball from how young of age? When did you start? Eight. I was eight years. So eight years do you think that playing youth sports specifically baseball but playing youth sports affected you um your drive your ambition as a business owner or really just as a person but specifically as like do you own a staffing company in 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 denver for people that are listening out of the state of colorado um and i know I mean, I know you enough. I know your. I knew your brother better, but we went to we went to the school at the same time, so it was easier to know him. Um, so, but I know you now, and I know how hard of a worker you are, and I know what kind of a business you run. And like Adam and I were talking about earlier, it seems like everybody I know that played youth sports from a young age, at minimum through high school, but especially through college. And and some of the people that you know maybe maybe had a cup of coffee pro, um, are just like better off in life. You know, like they they take things more serious. They want to win more. They want you know. Does that do you think that that's how? Do you feel that way based on your life with baseball and sports, and then who you are now? Um, not necessarily as a business owner, but I think it does set you up for success based off uh, a lot of qualities that sports brings. And it has to do with teamwork. It has to do with dedication as motivation, um, just working towards certain goals. But yeah, I think uh, sports played a huge role in, in my success from, in life. How much younger is uh, Jesse than you? Two. Well, three years in three years in school, but two years, two and a half years in age. Did you guys ever do, I assume you did, you had to have, but um, did you guys ever do the like Jesse was pitching to you and you hit a bomb off of him type of situation? Like, did that ever occur with you guys? No, you know, me and Jesse, uh, he, he didn't really want 
compete with me too much um just because we were like a lot bigger so it was like always me and matt rodriguez first uh my brother and, and his brother richie so it was kind of separate they did their thing we did our thing but i wish we we competed and, and made ourselves better were you uh all all you were just a catcher i mean not just a catcher i don't mean it like it's not a big deal but like <laughs> did you only that was your main position only uh, position type of situation I mean, growing up, I played all all positions. Uh, in high school, I started out uh, my as a sophomore. I started varsity, and I because there was Andy Wolf at catcher, wasn't bumping him off, so I ended up uh, moving to third base my sophomore year. The infamous and, DJ, huh? What was that? I said the infamous grass lip at TJ at third base. Yeah. And then uh, in college, I ended up uh, moving over to first base just because I had so many injuries. Do you do you think um, one of the other things we talked about before we got on is how different the game is for a longtime catcher versus like somebody that only ever played outfield? I mean, and not not because they get less action, obviously, you know, the catcher is going to have the most put outs and these type of things, but like just the, the idea of baseball in general is vastly different. If you talk to a kid, like you talk to Adam, who was a catcher. And if you talk to him and get his idea of baseball, it's going to be different from Dakota who did Dakota only, did he play outfield or was he a infielder? So, so you talk to him, who's a middle infielder and like, it's going to be a completely different version of what baseball is i think being a catcher is basically um the closest to being in in like a more physical sport sure so you know you're you're definitely getting beat up back there you're 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 seeing the whole field so yeah you're definitely seeing it a little bit different than like the infielders or outfielders i i think pitchers you know, would probably say the same thing a little bit too, because you're involved in every play. Yeah. Well, I think it's the, the, like the physical point is, is a good point. Obviously we're getting our ass kicked back there, but I think the mental standpoint too, is like, and I think that was the biggest difference, not one of the biggest differences between high school and, and college for me was like, yeah, you're learning tendencies. You got spray charts on, you know, a lot of your conference opponents and how we're going to throw guys and how, you know, who do we got thrown this weekend? Who's in the pen this weekend? Like all this other prep work from a mental standpoint was very much more important when in reality, uh, not to say shortstops or outfielders don't have this, but it's, it's, I think it's on a lesser level than a catcher does of like, yeah, you are concerned about the defensive side of the game. 100%, right? Because, you're, yeah, you're taking care of a head case potentially on the mound with, with a pitcher because most pitchers are head cases. But, B, you're, you're you know, especially if the coach has put trust in you to call a game, like, you guys get blown up. That's as much on the pitcher as it is you, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think that was one of the biggest jumps I had to make was learning the, the, the chess pieces and strategy behind the college game versus, you know, college or in high school where it's like, yeah, I got a game like, I, I got a, I got a guy on the mound like Gase or Corsett or 
John Yacoveta, who played with you, Sean, was like, if these guys were good, and Jace obviously went on to play at a pretty high level, but it was like, you know, some of these guys, you had to you had to be prepared for them to spike a 40-foot fastball, and, you know, because you didn't know where the hell it was going. They were just trying to blow it by everybody. And that's okay, because you could get away with it in high school. I mean, hell, growing up, you threw 87, you were humming in high school, at least at, at my age, you know, when I was growing up, you were. Nowadays, you see high school kids throwing 92 to 95. It's like, there's dang, there's kids in, in our baseball facility that are like Caden's 13. I think his his max throwing like right now is he's just getting back into his arm into the right condition but the other night he was throwing like I would say he he was like I was throwing like I would throw but I don't think he was. I think he was throwing about 80% and he was hitting like 65 66 on his fastball. Mm-hmm. Um but there's kids that we've seen in games that are his age that are absolutely throwing 75. And I'm like, who are you and what are you going to be when you are when you hit puberty or any of these things? It's just mind-boggling. One thing I wanted I was thinking about while you were talking, Adam, and I want to ask both of you. Um, Sean, you go first, is is there was there a game that sticks out to you? Um, for most people don't realize like how the catcher is like the quarterback sort of like call I mean like calls the game essentially. Um, was there ever a game that sticks out to you where you absolutely fucked up and like it was just not a good called game like you just from start to finish, you just couldn't get it together. You had no idea what was going on. And then on the flip side of that, do you remember a game where you just like, you called an absolutely perfect game, which obviously, you know, you, you need a dance partner. You can call a great game, but if the, if the guy throwing is ass, then, you know, it is what it is. But do you have any of those type games, Sean? Just as far as calling pitches, like, well, yeah. Like, do, do you have any that stick out where you're like, shit, that basically, for nine innings, I couldn't call the right pitch to save my life. Like I, I call a fastball in, and the guy hits a bomb because that's what happened. I call a, I call a, a slider down and out sort of situation, and this guy just cleared the bases. Like those type of things that just you think it's going to go well, and it just doesn't. But it for like the whole game, it was just terrible for the whole game. Nothing you did went right. I can't recall like certain games, but I can recall like certain pitchers that I would be just up in the groove with or vice versa. Like I would either have a good chemistry with that pitcher or, you know, me and him did not mesh well. It was like oil and water. So not necessarily uh, a certain game or anything, but. Adam. Yeah, I mean, I think. I was on the flip side of this, actually. I was pitching. Uh, it was Palisade my senior year in the regionals. Yeah, we were the number two team in the state going into it, and I, they decided to throw me in game one my senior year and ended up getting beat. And everything I threw at these guys was wall bouncers. You know, it was warning track, a lot of that. But I think on the flip side, catching-wise, I think one of the best games – 
high school and collegiately that I ever taught was Jace went toe to toe with, and I was just trying to look up his name, kid from Pueblo Centennial, uh, Jace's senior year in 04. Um, I think it was big time D1 guy, if I remember right, but he was legit and Jace absolutely shoved against those guys. So it was like, you know, and Jace, Jace was one of those pitchers that threw soft. Like I said, probably before Sean even got on, like, I love catching the soft guys because you can get funky with them. Like, throw three straight change-ups, throw three straight curveballs. You know, you, and then all of a sudden you go in and bust them in on the hands after they just saw three straight change-ups at, you know, 75, 80 miles an hour. And then Jace, who's throwing 85 from the left side, it seems like 95, you know, in on their hands. But that was that was in the state tournament my junior year. Um, I, I have caught a PG before. Uh, kid named Raul down in Cochise. He threw a PG, which was really fun to catch. But this kid was lightning good. I mean, he was 95, 96, kind of threw from the three-quarter arm slot, so he had a lot of run on his fastball. He was a thumb killer, John, if you like catching thumb killers. But he was good, and he threw a PG. I think he broke because Arizona, we were wood bat in the junior college league. He probably broke six, seven, eight bats at that game, just thawing people off. It was It was impressive to watch. Speaking of broken bats, I just, not to cut anybody off, but I must have been sleeping when this happened, but I just saw a picture from 2013 or whenever, whatever year. What, it couldn't have been 2013. When did Mariano Rivera retire? Was it really that long ago, 2013? No, it was like 2019, 2018, I think. Okay, so I saw a picture. Um, no. I, I want to say... I think it was closer to 15. I want to yeah. say it was like against the Phillies. You know how when somebody's on their way out, everybody's getting gifts and all this shit. And they gave that man a rocking chair. Yeah, that's what it was. They gave him a fucking rocking chair made out solely out of bats that he broke. Like, what in the shit? What an idea. And what a piece of memory. I mean, like, I saw some of the stuff that, like, Pujols was getting. And I'm like, what the hell? Like, how, how big do you think this guy's house is that you think he needs a whole row of seats from fucking Coors Field? I don't think he gives a shit. And how's he supposed to get it back to St. Louis and then to L.A. where he lives or fucking Puerto Rico or wherever? I mean, like, but um, anyway, as a do you do either of you remember the first time at whatever point in your life this was that you hit the ball over the wall? Because like Caden's hit like he's hit like nine home runs, but they're all inside the park home runs because he's just a little fast little fucker. But like. We're just now getting to that age where there's some kids that can definitely hit the ball over the fence. And it's fascinating to me because I feel like they're, that's got to feel like such a feat. Like scoring a touchdown is cool, but like that could just be any kid could score a touchdown if the defense is just not doing well, you know? But like to hit a ball at this point, we're playing on like 300 yard or 300 foot fences. So like that's pretty hefty for a fucking 13 year old. Do either you remember your first home run over the fence home run? Go ahead, Adam. 
I do. And it was actually, it was RBI baseball. We were out in LA. Uh, so Luke was there. So it was my sophomore year. And we were out in LA. We were playing Hawaii. And I actually thought I, I was a sucker for a high fastball. I, you know, I would swing out of my shoes on a high fastball every time. I actually thought I popped out in Persikina. I don't know if you guys remember Coach B. He yeah. was Coach Persikina. He was absolutely up my throat because I you know, threw my bat down, thought I flew out. Lo and behold, it's over the fence. That was the first time I'd ever done it. But it, I've never hit a no-down. Like, I wasn't an offensive guy. I'll be honest. Like, I mean, there's times I'd square the ball up and it's in the right field gap. And it's like, man, I didn't even feel that come off my bat. But I've never once hit a ball off my bat and looked up and said, yeah, that's out. Sean? Well, I got to say, hitting a home run's got to be the best feeling in sport by far. Um, I never dunked a ball, so I, but, <laughs> you know, some of that 6'6", six, 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 it, it shouldn't be a very hard feat, but I mean, it, going back to like Holly Hills, I don't, I mean, that, that was a 200 foot fence and yep. I mean, that, that was just popping, popping them out of the fence, but going back to like high school, it was freshman year, um, there's a game against South and all their varsity team was basically talking all the crap in the world be, behind me in, in the stands. And the next pitch, I hit one over the center field fence, and I was just staring them down the whole way around the bases. You said that was at All City? Uh, South Steel, not at All oh, City. I was going to say, that's a, that's a shot at All City. I mean, yeah. dead center anywhere is a shot, but it's a shot at All City. But South, I mean, that's the crazy part to me. It's like South was, I mean, did you face like Andrew Corey and those guys from South? That that you means face Taylor, I would assume Taylor Nam. So Andrew Taylor K. Um. Uh, who else? God, I mean, who's their catcher? Big old chubby dude. We need to play. Well, after I left, we kind of went to the, the Dirty South team. Remember? Yeah, like Anthony Rivera, and then did yeah. His- yeah, it did. I went so my freshman year, I was at South, and Andrew Corey, he must have been, he had to have been a senior. Black dude, right? Uh, Andrew Corey's a white guy. Andrew Corey's like a he's a like a Abercrombie white guy. Um, but Andrew he, Corey's on the East. Yeah. Yes. Um, but he he had to have been a senior. But he, I remember watching those baseball games, thinking like. And now this is, I mean, this was me being a fucking ninth grader thinking like, wow, these guys are going to be professional baseball players. Um, and lo and behold, I'm like, I'm actually in the weight room with Calais Campbell, who I'm like, you're never going to make it to the NFL, bro. Like, whatever. <laughs> you're, you're, you're a basketball player. Um, <laughs> and, um, but let me back up. You brought up Coach P, which is like, what a fucking guy that what that guy was. I don't know if I've ever told you this story, Adam. I know I've never said this to Sean. Um, cause I don't, I mean, why would I have, but in the most random of situations that have ever occurred in my entire life, when we were having Wyatt literally, I mean, like we were in the hospital room. He had, I think he had maybe been alive 
for 20 minutes and the doors closed. I don't even know if he was in the room. I think he had like been taken out to, you know, do those things that they do with babies. And, um, there's a knock on the door and we assume that it's them bringing our child back or whatever. And it's Tony Persicina. And I was like, what the fuck are you doing here? And he's like, I ran into Megan's dad in the, in the cafeteria. He said, you guys are having a baby. And I was like, okay, well, welcome to our room. I'm glad that you decided to stop by and fucking <laughs> talk to us. And then if it's not even, if, if it's, if that's not random enough, this fucking guy married my dad's wife. So not, not my mom, but the wife he had after my mom, his wife's like niece or something. So this fucking guy is, he's, he's in my room when we're having Wyatt. And then he's like halfway married into my estranged family. Also, it's really odd. And you bringing up him just made me think yeah. of all those things. Pete, Pete, I, I will tell you, Coach Pete, there was two guys in my high school career. I'd actually be curious about this because you you played for under Gunner, which I wish I would have. Nothing against Coach Humphrey, but like there was two guys that were two and a half, I would say, that were super influential on me in high school, and like understanding the grit and the work that went behind a being a catcher, but B just being an athlete. And it was coach B because he didn't let anybody take a day off, but it was coach little. And I don't know if coach little was around when you were there, but Maloney was there. Like Maloney definitely had his days where he would absolutely kick the shit out of us. But I'm always curious because Gilman wasn't, I feel like Gilman, had had quite a bit of background in, in catching too. I was at playing for him in high school. I I loved it during it during the time. Uh, you know, I, I I wanted to see a little more out of him to get us to the next level. Well, I, so you know, looking back at it, a little disappointed, but going through it, loved it. He was a he he was. Great coach, though. I mean, Coach Gilman, when he told me he was going to Columbine, I, I was tearing up. Yeah, yeah. I was, I was a little, I was a little hesitant to honestly go to TJ after he said he was, because that was the reason I was going to TJ was Gilman was there, because of the old Grand Slam days, right? Gilman was a instructor there, or you know, coach and, and all that. And, yeah, I've been through all these camps with him and everything else, and then you know, my sister. Yeah going to TJ but you know my parents left it open I I had a choice to go to my parents basically left it open and said you can either go to Regis with Seth or you can go to TJ with Gilman that was a choice so well I don't want to go to an all-boys Jesuit school so (laughs) I had the same I had the same option yeah like I'm gonna go I'm gonna go to TJ because my uh uncle and um, he was part. Of, he was a scout for the Reds. My my uncle got signed by the Reds, so he's always been very influential in our like our family's lives. So um, he wanted me to go to Regis, and I was like, I can't go to a school with nothing but boys. I'm sorry. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's crazy. I could not imagine purposely doing that. 
even in, like in today's world too, there's some kids that Caden knows that like go, I don't know if it must be Regis, maybe, I don't know. But I'm like, I just, I don't understand. doesn't make sense. And there's some good parts of high school that only occurred because women existed. So I just, I don't, I don't get it. Um, since you're both here, who's going to be the head coach of the Broncos next year? And why is it Jim Harbaugh? Because we don't have to trade for him. <laughs> yeah, no shit, man. That listen, I'm that's crazy to me. Like I, I didn't even I, I honestly when all the Peyton rumors started, I'm like, oh, you know that that, that I mean, he's the solidified coach. You know, like I didn't look into his track record or anything. Like Mike, you sent that message earlier today. Like, but then it was like, yeah, the recent head coaching trades and i'm like what the fuck trades like we're trading for head coaches here and like they all had to deal with like first and second rounders is where they started i'm uh-huh. like well the broncos don't have because they traded for russ so you know peyton's kind of out of the game and then fangio you know the whole fangio thing and i'm like i mean i wouldn't i wouldn't mind to see harbaugh i mean i've heard yeah i've read or i but I've read things that are, you know, Harbaugh's kind of a crybaby when shit isn't going his way. But I'm like, I think to myself, like, what fucking NFL coach isn't that way? But I, I, you know, I, I said this earlier. It was like, I'm, I'm glad they're giving that. Um, I can't even pronounce his name. The DC. Evero. Uh, yeah, like I'm glad they're giving him an interview because sometimes, you know, in his position, he's a first year DC. Like he's probably not going to get that head coach interview. It's like, no, give him an interview, and I'm glad they're doing it because that defense was solid. I mean, he's got some studs with Sertan, and you know, there's some young studs. But I, I do, I think they end up with Harbaugh because I think a you get Harbaugh cheaper. And B, you don't have to give up draft picks that you don't have, and you're not giving up future draft picks potentially to pull them in. Yeah, I think. I, I mean, I'm I'm okay with either one. Um, I I actually prefer Peyton over Harbaugh, but um, I don't. I wouldn't be mad at either one. Uh, if we had to trade, hopefully it's just a number one, and then we can just throw a bunch of money because you know what's the money to those owners. Right. Well, like like you said in the text earlier, like the guy fucking refaced the field for the last game of the season for half a million dollars. So like it's but to me, my hope with with Peyton would be now. Ultimately, I don't think this is possible because why would why would New Orleans do this other than if they don't get a better offer, then they don't. But my hope is that. You know, because like if you look at the Gruden trade, it was like a first, a second, and eight million dollars or something, um, or maybe two firsts, a second, and eight million. I don't know, something along those lines. Um, the Belichick trade was like a first, a second, and some whatever. So like it sucks that these are the this is where the bar has been set. But what would be really cool is if we could do something like you know here's a here's a complimentary draft pick, you know five fifth round something. But like here's. $25 million, you know, cause like it's just nothing to the, to the ownership. I mean, it's an absolute, 
it would be the same thing as us buying a double cheeseburger. And, um, but I've started to really like sell myself against Peyton mostly because it's not to say that, I mean, not that like Harbaugh is, um, the shining star of like winning and stuff, but like Sean Payton had Drew Brees for 15 years. He won a Super Bowl and likely only, I mean, only in quotes, because he started the second half with an onside kick and caught everybody off guard and didn't really do much else after that. And Harbaugh did pretty decent, and all he had was Colin Kaepernick. And, like, I don't mean that as a slight because I have any sort of feelings against Colin Kaepernick, but, like, he's not Drew Brees. No. So, He was a baller that year, though. What did you say? He was a baller that year. Uh, yes, I agree. I mean, I agree with that. Um, that he, it's it's definitely not like he was, was a bum or anything the year that they went to the Super Bowl. But well, and their defense was absolute stop. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Forty nine defense that year was pretty rigid for sure. I mean, um, I don't know something about Harbaugh just feels better for some reason. I don't know. It could be. It could be that I we've already given up so much draft capital with this fucking Russ problem and like things like that that I'm like I don't to give up you know and then we trade for the first round we trade Chubb for a first round pick I don't really want to give up that first round pick for a coach, um, but on the flip side anything is better than what we had so. Well, the thing that the question I always ask is like, are we? Because man, I think offensively, like we're not. We're, we're not up. Like, you have a ton of weapons on the offensive side. Sutton, Jerry Judy. Know, you Sutton. know. Well, you know, if he can stay healthy. I'm not sold on Sutton myself. He's not but, the same player he was. No, he's not. But you got, I mean, there's, there's, and, um, God damn it! What was it? What's the running back's name that got hurt really early? Williams. 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 Uh, not Jamal Williams. Javante. Javante. Like he's a stud, and he's going to be good. Yeah, but, but his knee was completely destroyed. Yeah. I but like I Latavius think, Murray. I'm sold I, on Latavius Murray. And baby, honestly, like me being out here in St. Louis, Missouri, like baby's a Mizzou guy. So we watched him for four years with Mizzou, and the kid can ball. And, you know, his first touch, was, it was so interesting. My phone started blowing up out here because his first touch, Beatty's first touch, went for a touchdown, like a 20-yard, he caught a little out route from Russ. And I'm just like, everybody's like, oh, Beatty's a future endeavor. I'm like, hey, guys, you're forgetting. We we have a pretty, pretty good running back sitting on the bench right now. In IR, but that being said, I think you know because somebody somebody brought it up to me the other day. It was like, would you rather take Houston's job or would you take the Broncos' job? I'm like, I would take the Broncos' job in a heartbeat. And it's not. I'm not saying that from a fan standpoint. I'm saying that just from purely a talent standpoint. So yeah, you, you got potentially a washed-up quarterback in Russ Wilson. 
you got Judy and Javante and all those guys on the offensive side, but then your defense is stout enough. There was a stat that I saw like midway through the year that said if the Broncos had scored 18 points a game, they would have been 9 1. That, that tells you how stout that defense is, right? I saw one today that said if um, they, and now they did it for every team. So some of the, like, the Vikings would have been one in fourteen, um, yeah. but the stat was if if they took every single game that ended um, with the winner winning by less than a possession or like by one possession or less, and they flipped the result, this is what the results would have been, and the Broncos would have been like eleven and seven, eleven and six, because it was every like we got blown out very infrequently. The defense kept us in everything. And like you said, those first in the first nine games, if we would have scored 18 points, we would have won eight of the games. So I think I can't even fathom why anybody, I mean, other than it's an NFL job, I can't imagine why anybody would want to go to Houston. There's nothing in Houston that's worth a shit. Zero. There's not, they don't have, no shit. They're going to have to, they're, and they're going to have to trade the fucking world. The, the Bears are absolutely going to trade back. There's no reason not to. And and Houston's going to overpay because um, they already have their eye on their guy. And um, it's going to be a haul. I mean, talk about – and if Justin Fields is like the Justin Fields he was like the last four games of the season, if that's really who he's going to be and they get a couple couple picks for this first-round pick, like that team isn't terrible. Mm Mm-mm. But we all are also living in a world where, like, the Bears might be good, the, the Lions might be good, the Packers are terrible. Like, right. it's a weird sports, man. Sports are um, – Sean, do you have um, – forgive me for not knowing this off the top of my head. You have kids in youth sports right now? Uh, my stepson, Garrison. How old is he? Yeah, he's 13. Is it what, – what does he play? Football, basketball, baseball. Are you guys getting a whole, like, are you guys, I mean, he's 13. How long has he, has he been playing most of these sports for a fair amount of time, or is he, like, newish to some of them? So he's actually played basketball and football, like, the whole time, and he's just recently played baseball, like, since, like, COVID. But he's such a good athlete, and he's a lefty and has a strong arm, and so he's he's like really raw with baseball, but I think he has the most potential with baseball. Isn't that something, man? Jesus, I tell you what, um, that's how I feel about Caden. I sort of feel like I really, really, really want him to focus on baseball. I want him to do whatever makes him happy. Um, but ultimately, we just we don't know what genetics he's going to end up with. So like, if he ends up being five. 10, 5, 11, and 190 pounds, like, he's going to have to be like Harrison Bader. He's not going to be a fucking strong safety. It's just probably not going to happen. Um, have you started, have you guys started to, like, get the nitty-gritty of youth sports and, like, the parents and all that? Like, has that started to happen for him? Is it getting, like, real, real? <laughs> yeah, I mean, so the one thing I would say, though, uh, Playing all sports is is definitely you should keep your kids playing 
like as many sports as possible, makes them well more rounded. Um, it, you learn different coaching styles, so you're easier to coach, but it just makes you a better athlete. Um, I don't think we've had too many issues with parents, though, as far as these sports go. You will. I promise. <laughs> I, yeah. I, I, it is shocking. Like I've already, I've been, I've been, I'm coaching Caden's baseball team this year. Um, the club team. I'm one of the coaches and, um, some of the parents already like, we're literally just doing off season indoor workouts. Like we're not even, we're not doing anything. We don't know who our ACE pitcher is. We don't know what the batting lineup is going to be. We don't know any of that. It's fucking January. So, um, we have not even got all 11 of these kids like outside on a diamond because it's Colorado. So like what the fuck are we doing? Um, and some of these parents are already like, so are you thinking that little Johnny is going to be like your three hole hitter and, and like, think he'd be more of a bullpen guy. And I'm like, they're fucking, first of all, they're 13. So like, they're all going to be bullpen guys here and there. Like, it's just, we don't have a bullpen. They don't just like hang out in the bullpen. Um, but yeah, I have no desire to coach you sports, dude. It's, it's something I really, I coached Caden in football and then I stopped mostly because he and I decided it'd be a better idea for me to stop. And this year the head guy was like, will you coach with me? And I was like, listen, I, I would love to, but I'm going to ask Caden. And if he says no, then no, I won't. Um, and I sat down with Caden, we talked and he was like, I think it'd be great. And I was like, cool, let's fucking do it. Um, but there is a level for sure of where you're like, like, dude, first of all, uh, the parents that really get me are the ones that have no interest in actually helping coach, but want to like sideline coach their kid. And I had to tell, I mean, Adam has definitely read this. Have you ever read the Matheny manifesto, Sean? No. So Mike Matheny wrote this book called the Matheny Manifesto, and it, it's based off of an actual manifesto he wrote um, when he decided to coach some youth baseball. But like the, the gist of it, of the manifesto, was quite literally like this eight-page thing he handed all these parents. It's like, listen, um, don't, don't cheer your, your kid's fucking name because then he's going to, like instead of running the bases, he's going to be like looking for you saying his name if they're if they're on this side of the fence they're mine to deal with so shut your mouth basically and um it's the basic gist of it like i'm the fucking coach you're the fucking parent shut up essentially is what it was and i can't tell you how many times i've handed that book to people and and been like you should you would learn some things from reading this book um in all sports it's not it's not just uh, specific to baseball it's like youth sports in general but football is some of the most political weird like it's and and I, it i think with us in baseball it's not as bad because since it's a travel club team we're not necessarily seeing all of the same teams all of the time so you don't really get to know the teams enough to be like oh god we're playing the dirt dogs again and that means we're gonna have a benches clearing brawl of some kind or you know whatever whereas like we have real beef with some of these football teams um 
which is such a weird thing because like ultimately you get in the truck and you're like, God, this is 12 year old football. What the fuck are we doing? Um, <laughs> but goodness, man, I, uh, I have a love hate relationship with coaching, but mostly just because of parents, because the kids are ultimately really great. I mean, like these kids are like, they're there, they're ready to learn. They're, they're asking questions. Um, something about being called coach by 12 year old is really exciting. Um, but man, some of the parents, dude, it's like, you know what? I mean, you saw Adam, when we went to Branson last year, it's like, guess what parents there's, 400 baseball players here right now. And you know how many baseball scouts are here? Professional baseball scouts? Zero. Absolutely zero. And even if they were here, they're probably here for their nephew. They're not here to scout your 12U first baseman. They're just not. I mean, I I don't care what you think, what you think is going on. It's just not happening. They don't give a shit. And, and I don't even think they're allowed to, even if they, even if they what there was some fucking twelve year old throwing eighty five, I don't think they're allowed to be there. So let's take a I step mean, back. Well, that's what I mean. They're they're allowed to but be physically there. Any, but like, any professional scout, if you have, you know, to take your example, if you have a thirteen year old kid throwing eighty five, like the kid's gonna blow his arm out dude, by the time he's in high school. Like it's just law of physics there and biology. Like you, you will have Tommy John by the time you're a freshman in college. It's you're not gonna continue that path unless you're a freaking anchor, which so be it. Speaking of Tommy John, did Trevor Story have Tommy John? Yeah. What a I mean, I guess I'm glad we didn't sign him. What'd you say, Sean? Was it Tommy John? Because I I heard he's only gonna be out for a little bit. Well, the shit that they got nowadays, dude, compared to like even two years ago, is like you could have TJ as just a complete reparative maintenance type surgery because your 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 ulnar your UCL is getting torn in your in your uh, elbow, and they can repair it, and you're good to go within six months. I mean, the stuff because they're pumping, you know, they're pumping stem cells in there they're doing everything else to just regen the whole tendon and muscle and everything else you know it, it medicine nowadays is like the 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 time of you know i i had a career ending injury like it's still prevalent nowadays but it's getting less and less of like i mean what was it with when ap adrian peterson was was he with the vikings and he tore his his ACL, and they said, "Yeah, he's back by playoff time." It's like, which is well, mind-boggling. Hold on a second. If you tore your ACL, you were it, you were out for a year, year and a half, just rehab. Let alone trusting freaking nature, though. <laughs> AP was a freak of nature. Well, a hundred percent, I agree with that. But I, I think it's it's medicine too. Like medicine has gone, but you know, totally. Oh, for sure. I mean, the medicine nowadays, like, you know, in the 80s, it was a career-ending injury. Now it's it, it's not. Um, but yep. it, it's weird because everybody's so different. Like, look at Jamal Murray. Like, yeah. he, he was back for a while, and then he, you know, it, it just dragged on and dragged on. And, like, Lonzo Ball, like, same thing. But you never know with it. it 
some people can't deal with the pain like in, in going through some of the stuff coming back. Oh, that's yeah. for sure. I mean, that's that was my view. And I feel I don't I won't say I feel bad about it because it's not like I ever had a conversation with the guy about it, but like that was my big downfall with Derek Rose and the Bulls was he was so mentally unprepared to come back that he was like, at one point, we were in a playoff game. Nate Robinson was puking on the bench because he had the flu. Taz Gibson was like, his ankle was like the size of a watermelon. He was playing. Like, all of our guys were hurt. And Derrick Rose had been cleared to play. And his response to, I'm not going to play right now, or I can't play right now, is because... I don't want to be in pain when I go to my kid's graduation when they're 18. So like, I don't, I'm not going to play right now because I'm worried I'm going to get hurt again right now. And because of that, I'm not going to play. And to an, to an extent, I, I understand the level of like, like Simone Biles, people are getting on her about, um, like you're having a mental health day, so you don't want to do the gymnastics beam, but like, there's a there's a serious level to like if you're not mentally there you could completely kill yourself. I mean if you're not in it you could fuck yourself up bad. But back in the day man I was so mad at Derrick Rose because I'm like dude you're cleared we want to win this championship we're not going to do that without you. All these other guys are like dying and playing and your ass is like clear. The same thing happened with Jamal Murray like a season ago. Um after he tore his ACL or MCL or whichever CL he broke or tore and like he was cleared, but he just wasn't mentally ready to play. And I'm like, God bless man. Like now it's easy to be an armchair quarterback and it's easy to think that like, if I was in that position, I would for sure be playing. But like, ultimately like I'm sure so many people take, take the time off or take the, take the time to be like, well, I'm getting paid anyway. I mean, I'm sure this is like the Correa situation. If his knee yeah. explodes, he doesn't. I mean, ultimately, let's be honest. The competitive side of Carlos Correa would hate to not play. But the Twins just gave him $200 million fully guaranteed. Fuck your physical. We don't care. Right. And if his knee explodes in the first 100 games of this season, he's done for two years. He's still getting his $200 million. So, well, I mean, that's, that's the biggest difference when it comes to professional athletes it's like I, I you know i would say you know there there's fans out there and then there's fans that get it i would say in my opinion like your typical fan is gonna say oh yeah you just got your bell rung you're seeing double get back out there and play like eh. i'm also thinking about a business like my body is a business my body yeah. is, is a multi-million dollar business potential like you know, if I if I if I go out there and play again, like I have the risk of just not playing after this year because my concussions are so bad or you know, whatever it is. But yeah, I mean I get it. It's I mean, Sean, I don't know about you, but I had a shit ton of knee problems in my junior and senior year of college where I was getting I had three cortisone shots in each each knee my senior year just to play just to numb it to play and you know i had the i had the chance to i had the offer to go play overseas and you know i had 
some chances to go to some minor league camps here and there. But, you know, every time a physical came up, I'm like, yeah, hey, <laughs> sorry, guys, I'm not, I'm not going to pass a physical. Like, it's just not going to happen. You know, I'm bone on bone in one knee, and I got about a millimeter left of fluid in the other knee that I'm just screwed, you know. And if you want me to continue to catch, and I wasn't an offensive guy, so I made my 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 living, quote unquote, off of being a defensive. I'm gonna call a good game. I'm gonna throw guys out. I'm gonna play real solid behind the dish defensively. But you know that was that was kind of my thing. It was like, yeah, no, I don't want to get into independent baseball. I don't want to. I don't want to get into. You know, like going overseas, I could have gone to London, I could have gone to Austria, I could have gone to, you know, even even there was talks of me going over to China at some point, or not China, Asia at some point. And I was just like, screw it, like, I'm done. Like, I don't want to, A, my heart wasn't in it, but B, I just didn't want to do it anymore. I was tired of being in pain. And then, fucked, here I am today, still in pain. Yeah. I uh I had cortisone shot playing my senior year of high school, just no in my shoulder. Yeah. Oh, in your shoulder. Yeah. Yeah. So I I was supposed to have a, a labrum surgery, but I I had to play my senior year, so I missed the RBI tournament uh that summer. Went into college already a redshirt because of my shoulder, and then I ended up having two knee uh, meniscus tears in my left knee, one in my right knee. So it, it was just, I was on, in the training room more than I was on the field in college. Yeah. Do either of yeah. you regret it though? Like, would no. you, would you change anything? No, not me. I, I, it taught me so many life lessons and just, no, I wouldn't. I wouldn't regret a thing. No, I don't. I don't regret anything. I would change some things, maybe try to be yeah. better at some things. But <laughs> I would have taken the weight room a little bit more seriously in high school. But that's about yeah. it. Yeah, you know, I'm still leaving high school as a catcher. That's six two, one sixty five. That's that's what that. I seem to think, or that's what I keep hearing from like. Um, like stink mark slareth he he definitely lives the like my body hurts my head hurts my back hurts my knees hurt my hands hurt everything hurts i wouldn't change a fucking thing and if you told me i could go suit up today i would go do it right now and that's that's one of the conversations that i heard this morning um listening to a a miami-based podcast um where they're talking about like they don't think that um Tua should play this weekend. And like they know that ultimately that means that like the Dolphins truly don't have a shot at beating the Bills because they almost beat the Bills. They barely beat the Bills with Tua and then they barely lost to the Bills with Tua. So like in their mind, they're like, with Teddy Two Gloves, we're not going to beat the Bills. But ultimately it's like this is more important. His health is more important, his long-term health. And I think Tua, honestly, it sucks. Um, He kind of seems like one of these guys that's going to like have to stop playing football way before he should um because he i mean you can't have three concussions in a year and then 
think live a decent life. Yeah. And it's, this will be the dumb. I mean, somebody out there would be so mad at me for saying this, but like I was pushing really, really, really hard in one of my uh, fantasy leagues in a keeper league, um, a two quarterback keeper league. So like you, you have to have two quarterbacks to be competitive. And um, this, one of the guys on the, in the league had Burrow, Allen and Tua. And I'm like, well, you you can't have all three. You can't play all three. I understand wanting to have the third guy, you know, for when one of these guys is on a bye week. But you can't keep all three. You're not going to keep all three. Why don't you trade me to a, I'm going to throw you this first round draft pick. And then in my head, I'm just going to keep him forever. And, you know, and then he started to get hurt. And I'm like, thank God you didn't trade me to a, because he might not ever play again after this year. I mean, he could do the Luke Keekley thing and just be like, you know what, I'm done. Or he yeah. could try to play and then ultimately be like, oh no, I'm now I'm disabled or I'm well, or not disabled. The question too is it's like spraining your ankle, right? It's like once you sprain your ankle, you're always going to sprain that ankle. Oh yeah, it doesn't matter. The, the mm-hmm. slightest tweak, you're going to sprain your ankle. It's the same thing with the concussion. Is like once you've had one. You getting another one is just—it's bound to happen. Yep. It's there's—it's the inevitable. You're not gonna not have another concussion in your life. But that can, that next concussion could be, you know, life changing. Mm-hmm. Whether it's you know brain damage or just cognitive stuff back, you know, later on in life, whatever it is. But you know, I think the that it, to me is the the crazy part of like thinking about NFL contracts, like those, a lot of those guys don't, I mean, Tua's probably got some guarantee behind him, but some of those guys are out there literally risking concussions and everything else for a non-guaranteed contract. Yes. DeMar Hamlin is one of them. Yeah. He had, they, they had to decide to fully guarantee his contract because there's a good chance. A, he hasn't been in the league long enough to be vested. So he doesn't even get a pension. Right. And two, he's he was the backup safety. So his contract, I think it was four or five years for three million dollars total or three point four million dollars. And only eight hundred thousand had been paid out. That was the whole guarantee. And if he ends up on IR, they don't have to pay him. And then they they obviously decided we're gonna pay him in full. They went to the league, they went to the NFLPA, they're gonna pay him in full. But like that kid, if he doesn't almost die, if he just if he gets really badly hurt and it's not such a the hullabaloo about it, he's done. If he blows an eight, he's done. He's he's done. He's not vested. He has no pension. Hopefully, he can be a real estate broker or something. Like that's literally how it would come. I mean, we. I think we all know a guy. Yeah. Luckily, he got vested because he played long enough. Right. But even that's not something you can retire on. Right. So it's like some of that is. That's. You know, and I think baseball gets a bad rap because there's no salary cap, and the guys that are getting paid the money are getting paid get the that. fucking money. I mean, but nobody thinks about that, like, you know, Julio Rodriguez before the ridiculous extension was making like eight hundred thousand dollars. It's not like he was not every single baseball player is making thirty million dollars a year, but because teams like the Mets spend a billion dollars in an off season. Everybody thinks that like, there's just all this money floating around. And I mean, it's good money. Don't get me wrong. Like, 
Um, but well, I think I think the contract structure too. Like you sign an MLB MLB contract, you sign a big league contract, it is guaranteed. No matter if you get hurt, no matter what it is, it's guaranteed. You are guaranteed that amount of money. NFL, NHL, NBA. I don't know about NBA, but I know NHL and, and NFL. You're not guaranteed that money. Well, like, even you get cut, you get released. Sorry, dude, we don't owe you that money. And we're going to take a cap hit on it, but we don't owe you that money. And in the NHL, even the big time guys are not making. I mean, no, they're making. making don't get me 16, wrong. Like, 16, 15, 13 million a year. Right. They're not Which, making. That's fine. 30. I could I could figure out a way to live off of that, but as a Wayne, professional athlete, that's like Wayne was making fifteen million a year, right? And hockey is the toughest players there are. Hard oh yeah, did and they have the, the most problems after. Did you see the yeah. guy that got nuts blown up? Yes. Oh, he, he ended yeah, up the cup. Yeah, they played the next day too. Yep. <laughs> uh, one of the it's because it's like with the NHL, it's like you get a league report, right? And like, oh, he's got a lower body injury. Love that. Like, well, that could either be he absolutely fractured his knee going into the boards, and he's got to get a knee replacement, or he's just sore. NHL is a hilarious place when it comes to stuff like that because it's it's, a gamesmanship play. It's it's super vague, and then like also. Can we get, can we, can we, like, if you look at the standings, talk about not understanding a sport. Like, people that don't understand baseball are like, what do you mean you bunt in this situation? Why wouldn't just hit a home run, just score runs, you know, whatever. But like, you look at the standings in NHL and don't know what the fuck any of that means. And you're like, what is an overtime loss? And what does points mean? And why does this all matter? Like, why can't it just be who won more and who lost more? Like, welcome, welcome to my world trying to figure out club soccer for my daughter in standings. Like, I, I I was not a soccer player. Like, soccer to me was like field fairies. Like, if you played soccer as a guy, like, <laughs> I'm sorry, bro. Like, uh, you, you weren't good enough to play baseball. It, it was just like cross, right? If you didn't, if you were not good enough to play baseball, you either played soccer or lacrosse. That's how it was, but out here it's a totally different game. And like, you know, Marcella, she sits there and she's like, "Dad, we tied, so we got points." There. And I'm like, "What the fuck do you mean you got points? Like you tied? That's awful. You, you might as well have taken a loss." She's just like, "Yeah, no, we got points for it." I'm like, "All right, whatever." I don't understand. That's why, like, we were watching um, the World Cup final. And I was like, okay, so now we're in, we're in stoppage time. And I was like, okay, I kind of get, I sort of get that. I don't know why they don't just stop the clock other than they they don't stop the game for fucking anything. Um, Like, okay, now we've got eight minutes of stoppage time. Okay. And And now, now the, the, what'd you say, Sean? Only the, only the umpire knows how much time there is. (laughs) Right. And so it's like, so that's going on. So the stoppage time ends and it's tied. So then we go into overtime and then it's tied. So now we go into PKs. And I'm like, this is why Americans don't fucking care about this game unless it's the World Cup. And that's it. Like, there's no, you're not going to catch 
uh, generally speaking, you're not going to catch an American watching this game, getting super hyped, watching a game for 90 minutes for it to end 0-0, and then going to stoppage time, and then going to overtime, and then going to PKs, and then it ended 1-0. Or not even technically 1-0, just that team had, they scored more goals on their PKs than this team did. Like Yeah, and that one, that, that even though you went to overtime, and you won still, right? you don't get the same amount of points as if you won in regular time. Right, which is just, can we just, like, Win wins and losses and yeah. you know, point differentials fine. That's all that stuff's fine. There there's a point where like even with baseball, I'm like, some of these stats, bro, like how many different we've got OPS, we've got OPS plus, we've got war, we've got all, all these things. I'm like, there's so many numbers I don't understand. There's you've you've given me way too many numbers on this person. I don't know if he's a good baseball player or not. He's I, what I can tell you is he hits the ball three out of ten times. That's good enough for me. That's what I can tell you. Um, la- before it, it is later, and unfortunately I am exhausted, but before we go, two predictions, uh, and I want to do this for this reason, because it's going to be recorded and on the Levitard show in the most amazing, it could be the best prediction I've ever heard in my entire life, Um the the metal arc media basketball analyst last year or this year before the football season started said that geno smith was going to throw for four thousand yards 30 touchdowns and 11 interceptions and he ended the season with 4200 yards 30 touchdowns and 11 interceptions so before we go who's winning the super bowl and who's winning the world series ready set go sean you go first Super Bowl, going with the Bills. I hope so. And that's just, I, I have to go for whoever, I, I go for the underdog that hasn't let the least amount of Super Bowl wins because then they get closer to the Broncos. Uh, World Series, the Mets. Hmm. Go ahead, Adam. Uh, I mean, I have to agree with the Bills. I just think they're stacked. I mean, Diggs and Allen and them, you know, Knox and all those guys. That's like, got to be what America wants. I mean, America has to be behind the Bills. I don't want to. I'm in Chiefs country. I don't want to fucking see the Chiefs win. I know that's right. When like, you're I, watching Holmes throw it though, it's hard to not. Oh, I know. I mean. Mahomes is my starting quarterback in fantasy, and I've drafted him three years in a row. Like, it, it, like the guy is good. I just I don't want to deal with the bullshit, you know. Like of, oh Mahomes, I, I don't know. I I, I want to see, I want to see the Bills win. I think Buffalo would absolutely go nuts with the Super Bowl win. That fan base is amazing. They're getting ready to build a new stadium, which is going to be dynamite. Um, God, MLB World Series. Who'd you say shot the Mets? I mean, yeah. I mean, I, I that's without me looking and everything, and I'm just thinking about who's like spending the money. But yeah. I mean, Mets are spending a fuck ton of money. Man, I don't know their rotation, but 
I don't know. You you guys seen seen what the Rockies are doing? They're bringing in all these minor league players, and <laughs> yeah, yeah, they're gonna I, be I so like good. I, I feel like I'm literally living like the major league life, like <laughs> watching the Rockies be major league, and it's uh, I, I I was coming on here and I was like, great, I'm gonna be on the podcast with two Cardinal fans. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I I can this is what I can tell you about Cardinals fans that you don't see a ton of on social if you're not like in Car- like I'm on Cardinals Twitter. If you like if you were to pick up my phone and look at my Twitter, I'm I'm in fully ingrained in Cardinals Twitter. What I can tell you about Cardinals Twitter is we all absolutely fucking hate the front office and the ownership and tell and and then they'll do something and we'll all be like that's great. I won't talk shit about them until the next time that I talk shit about them because inevitably they're going to fuck something up. They're going to trade Sandy Alcantara for Mar- Marcelo Zuna and things that like you don't know, obviously. But like, there's also these times where like, like I look at the NL and I'm think I'm sitting here. I asked you, you guys, who's going to win? In my opinion, it's going to be the Phillies. Um, that, you took it right out of my mouth. Honestly, I my two teams were the Phillies and the Padres. Yeah, the Padres I are think nasty. The Padres run together. I and and part of me is saying that because I want the Dodgers to get each hit. Yeah, I think the Dodgers, but the Phillies, the the Phillies were good last year, and they added. Yeah, that's they didn't anything. That's what and, drives me crazy about the Cardinals. It's like, cool, we we got Wilson Contreras. That's fine. I'm yeah. not. I'm not angry at that. On the flip side. Uh, the Mets have added DeGrom and they took fucking Quintana because why didn't we re-sign him? I'll never understand. And nope, Nobody will. And then like the Phillies have added things and the Padres are fucking unbelievably stacked. The and Padres are an MLB the show lineup. Yeah. Yeah. They they're, have they're, they have one of the best good. shortstops in the league going to play right field. Yeah. yeah and so be it. It, like shut up and go play. Yeah, right. Yeah, sorry. And like, so you know, for me, I wouldn't mind. I think it'd be honestly, I wouldn't mind if it somehow ended up with a with a NL um, championship between those two. I mean, I think that'd be fun. Um, I would love for the Cardinals to do something. I don't know that it's possible that they're. I mean, they they won't be terrible, but like, our rotation is not great. It's Man, just, I, I I have this weird feeling that they're they're in a run. Just knowing the past relationship with the the Angels, I know. The, I have this weird feeling that Otani or Trout, yeah, are going to learn Cardinals. I think it's going to be Trout personally. I really do think it's going to be Trout. I think that I think when when I, mean, I who would. Oh, of course. I mean, of course. Um, the I did I I know I sent it to Kurt. I don't remember if I sent it to you. The the picture of um, like that quote that was like the Cardinals are fully ingrained in talks with the team about a player that is nobody knows is available. So it's you know yeah. it's, it was super vague. But literally, yeah. first thing that went through my head is well, obviously they're about to trade for Mike Trout. What are they going to give yeah. up? I don't know. Um, what do you give up for Mike Trout? Probably kind of anything that's not named Nolan Arenado or Paul Goldschmidt and like some of the, and obviously not Wilson Contreras, but like everybody else, like it's Mike Trout, bro. Sorry. You got to go. Um, yeah. 
but yeah, I mean the Phillies. Bring up Nolan. Uh, well, <laughs> listen, I I hate to break it to you, but like, hold on. I actually think I have a Nolan shirt on. Man. Oh no, I don't. It's look, it, no, it's a last ride shirt with Pujols and Arenado and yeah. I'm still I'm still so fucking upset. <laughs> I mean, it, if if we had to trade Nolan, fine. But like we didn't get a top ten of fifty You paid us money and we still have we we have some of the best prospects in the MLB. If they if if some of those prospects, if the three, <laughs> if if Wynn, Walker, or Tink, if any of them end up being worth a shit, it'll be amazing. It'll just be fucking fantastic. Could you imagine think about this? Because I, I think that Tyler O'Neill has to be involved in a trade for Mike Trout if no for no other reason that he's he's a, he can play center oh, field. I think, I think O'Neill Walker and I mean I think you're sending your top two if not three prospects plus O'Neill What do you say, Sean? And fifty million. <laughs> I mean, dude, listen. In my opinion, that might be worth it. Yeah, to get a guy of Mike Trout, who's, I mean, when when supposedly when the Angels came to St. Louis and and Sean, I don't know if you ever been to came in St. Louis, it's like a, a random Wednesday night game here it is insane, like it is fucking insane. It's like a Broncos game. It's yeah. Uh, and, so one of my goals in life is to make it to all the the stadiums. So St. Louis is definitely uh, very high on my list. Whenever you want to go, I'll meet you downtown for a game. When, whenever you want to go, I will go because I, I plan on going. Honestly, I, I will go to any MLB stadium. I mean, like if you were like, Hey Mike, I'm going to San Diego. Do you have time? Like I will go. I mean, that's, that's where I'm at. And Sean, you should get yourself the MLB passport so that you can get it stamped in all of the stadiums. And and you'll know that you went to everywhere, but you'll have a book that also commemorates that you went to everywhere. Um, I have a yeah. for everywhere I've been. <laughs> yeah. The, one of the, because that's kind of the industry I'm in, is like one of the coolest stadiums is Petco in San oh, yeah. Diego. Yeah. Like they, that that stadium is so ingrained in downtown, it's, it's crazy. But San Francisco does such good, and I, I really do not like the town of San Francisco. Like I've traveled there a ton for work and it, like the town itself, like doesn't do anything for me, but the old, I guess, AT&T park is so nice. It's so, it's, it's such a good, like scenery complex. Like you got McCovey Cove right there. Like it, it, it is legit. And it's funny too because everybody always says Baltimore is the best place to go. The Orioles. If you want to get shot, <laughs> right? That's what I said. Is like, not necessarily if you want to get shot, but I was just like, I was talking to a bunch of colleagues about this. I'm like, Baltimore is not a great town. Like, it is not a great town. And M and T Bank Stadium where the Ravens play, and whatever they're calling Camden now. Like, it's just not a good spot to be in. 
you it, like yeah you may get this whole scenic view and Cincinnati's also one that I've never been to and it's Cincinnati's probably a four hour drive from me but Cincinnati everybody says with the river behind it is just an absolute dynamite park have you been to have you been to PNC I was was gonna say that too that place looks great it's it's nice I love that bridge in the background yeah yeah it's it's cool I mean the only problem with PNC is like the bad architectural design right If, if I could be an architect for a minute like the the outfield stands kind of over they overburden the bridge behind it and the river behind it um but yeah pnc is nice i mean but again pittsburgh's have you guys ever been to pittsburgh it's no nope. anywhere back east is kind of fucking dumb shit to be honest like so, boston sucks like i would go to fenway in a heartbeat i go to yankee stadium in a heartbeat i go to city field in a heartbeat but I just hate traveling back east. And, you know, in my line of work, like, we travel a lot. And I will not go east. I will not. I send my my minions out to do that. <laughs> I don't blame you. I mean, I... Yeah, I go, th- York, go, go have fun in New York City because I hate it. This year, my my plan... It's it's lofty, so I don't know that it'll actually happen, but we'll see. Is um we're I mean we're we're going. Caden and I are going to opening day at Bush. We've already I mean uh, everything's already booked, so like that's happening. Um. The the Cardinals play at Petco in June or July. I can't remember which one it is. Um. So we're looking at that. I also am looking at Cardinals. At Wrigley, I want to say it was at the end of August, middle of the end of August. And yeah. then we also, uh, me, Tony, and Jim, and Megan, because she has to come along for those trips, is the is looking at Rangers. Rangers versus Yankees in Texas. Also Yankees and or Yankees Braves in Atlanta. Have you been to that park? Yeah, they're a client. Yeah, that place... Looks great. You do, Adam. So I sell I sell software to all those major stadiums that are rings. What kind of software? Uh, event management to like ERP, CRM, order processing, all that stuff. But it goes all over the like, fucking place. Huh? I I said Adam goes all over the fucking place to. Yeah, I do. I travel quite a bit. I, I, I was joking with my wife. I should start putting in pens into this mat behind me. You should. Everywhere. You absolutely should. Or just get one of them. I mean, like, have you, outside of Canada, have you gone anywhere else? No, but we're in, like, we just, like, the stadiums in Dubai and all that we hosted. That would that be fine. World Cup, they're, I mean, FIFA's their client. That would, that would be a just fine trip to go on. Yeah. Well, they didn't serve beer over there. So fuck them. Yeah, that'd be problematic. Anyway, I mean, I'd still go on the trip. I wouldn't say no to that. But yeah, so I I deal with all the stadiums arenas, mainly like Mike said, intercontinental here in Saint in uh in the US as well as Canada. There's actually quite a few stadiums in Canada with like the CFL and 
Um, MLS is absolutely blowing up in the the North America, I would say. I mean, there's talks of teams going into like Alberta and Canada and stuff, like middle Canadian country, which is crazy to me. Because it's all hockey or curling up there. But, um, yeah, I mean, I think I, I'm trying to think, like, Texas is a cool spot to be at. What's weird is, like, what in what you'll probably notice if you go to Texas is, like, where where Arlington Park was, like the old Ranger Stadium, and where they built the new one, it's, it's super funky. It's almost like Jerry Jones had something involved with that because it's, it's like they almost just switched parking. It's almost like Bush, right? But they're not downtown. Right. So their space is limited. Yeah, it's, it's, it's like the, it's like their um, whole, it's like their whole area. And so like, that's kind of what they've talked about with, with the Broncos. Like they might move it out to like uh, by the airport. And then, you know, with Kroenke, they, they could possibly bring ball arena and, and just make like a whole sports arena area out there. I mean, that's the biggest thing in stadiums right now is like, so the interesting part about stadiums, especially NFL, is, and Mike sent me a text the other day, or maybe I sent it out, was like, the Broncos are putting, I don't know, mil, mil and a half into like, or however much money into renovating space and do more of premium seating, quote unquote. It's like, you know, why are we doing that? We're not spending money on the team or players. Why are we doing that? And at the end of the day, NFL gets $3, if, or I'm sorry, 30% of every NFL seated ticket sold. Doesn't matter if it's season tickets, single game tickets, it doesn't matter. They cannot touch the premium if it is quote unquote premium hospitality space, they cannot touch a dime of that revenue. So all these stadiums are going to premium hospitality. Ford Field actually up in Detroit is one of the first ones to kind of move that way. Um, where they put like, I think it was like a $6 million, $7 million project into moving, taking out seats and moving that more into a club premium type space but the nfl can't touch on money so that's why these teams are doing it but like you look at like sofi or these mega complexes where it's you know sofi hey if we get you know if i'm if i'm sofi and i buy up all this land you know or the rent whoever it is cronky I buy up all these spaces like Staples Center has got a pretty good freaking footprint downtown LA. Can I move them possibly out to us or screw the Lakers? I'm going to go after the, the Clippers, right? And I'm going to put a museum on it. One of my bigger deals right now is the Lucas Museum of Narrative Art. Like it's George Lucas's museum. He's literally funding the whole thing. The place looks like fucking spaceship it's crazy and he's dropping probably 
probably $400 million on the, just architecture alone. And he's saying, yeah, screw it. <laughs> I mean, we like at that point, like money is nothing to these guys. Like $400 million to George Lucas is, is, is a lot of money, but it's like 40000 us. Like it's just insane. But I would say if you were to go on a trip of like must-see MLB venues, Petco, Giants, Cincinnati, PNC is cool. Um, I'm not a big fan of Pittsburgh as a city, but um, I would also say the Rogers Center up in, I mean, it's nothing crazy, but up in Toronto. Like, Toronto yeah. is a freaking cool city. Yeah, that's melting pot. That's definitely on my Toronto is definitely one of those things that's on my list. But I would want to do like, like when we when we took the trip last year to go to the um, Cardinals Yankees game, it was like flew in the day before, went to the game, flew out the day after, sort of situation. If I if I'm going to Rogers Center or if I'm going to Toronto to go to a game, I'm going to go to Toronto for like a week. Yep. hit a game like on the third day or something, but like do the other, you know, I mean, cause that, that's, that's another thing that Caden and I talked about. I was like, I mean like opening day would be great, but there's, there's going to be an opening day every year. So maybe we do a bigger thing and we do like go to California and go to Dodger stadium, go to angel stadium, drive down to San Francisco or drive down to San Diego, like those type of things, do all of it in one you know, week, figure out a week where like all those teams are at home and see games in all of those places and just knock out four or five stadiums in one year. Um, you know, I don't think we're, I, I know some people, I know a guy that's on the St. Patrick's Day Parade Committee that did all the ballparks in f 70 days or something. Like he pl yes. planned out the yes. trip. And just was, you know, he flew from here to Pittsburgh, from Pittsburgh to New York, from New York to Chicago, from, you know, like did everything. And um, sometimes didn't even have tickets to the games yet, just got to the city and then figured it out. And I mean, it sounds great, but I'm not retired, so I can't. Um, <laughs> well, I think the other thing, too, a couple of us neighbors here in St. Louis have been talking about going up to Seattle for the federal Cardinals game. That and or the All-Star game. Huh? Isn't the All-Star game in Seattle this year? Uh, I You may be right. I don't know. I think you're right. I think you are right. But we were talking about going up for the Seattle Cardinals series. And I'm like, when they brought it up to me, I'm like, why the fuck would we go to Seattle? Like, you, like I'm fortunate enough to have traveled enough in my life that, like, Seattle is pretty slummy, dog shit town. Unless you're in certain areas, but Maybe, yeah, they're just like, you don't sound like a very big fan of any city. <laughs> well, I, I mean, I, I'll be honest with you, I am not a fan of the upper northwest, like Seattle, Portland, San Fran. No thanks. I won't. I mean, they're on my do not travel list. Anyway, like for what reason? Uh, for like Portland, for sure, in Seattle. It was like young poverty there, if that makes sense. Like, I, I didn't – like, you would walk down to a bar and there would be an 18-year-old or 16-year-old on the corner playing guitar, like, 
hey man, give me five bucks. Like, bro, your whole life is in front of you. What the fuck are you doing out here? Well, I'm gonna get a record now. Well, I'm not a record. I'm not a record agent. I'm not an agent, so I'm not gonna give you any fucking money. Sorry. Like, could I have funded Kurt Cobain 2.0? Yeah, sure, but that was what bothered me. San Francisco would bother me again. It was the 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 slums. I mean, if you think it like I don't know how to put this, like when you travel enough, you learn you learn areas where like it's like you just don't go there. And when you really encompass that into like the whole like town of San Francisco, San Francisco is like a maybe a quarter mile an area mile of of like blocks, city blocks that are actually like the the what was the old sitcom TV show? Um, Full House. Family Matters. Was it Family Matters that was there in San Francisco? Full House. Full House. Like, like you see that on TV, and that's like the best part of San Francisco, the most clean part. And they're doing that for a reason. Outside of that, it was slummy. And so, I, I mean, I mean, I've been to San Francisco a few times. I just didn't like it. That that was twenty years ago, and it was slummy. Yeah. I mean, since COVID, it's every every big city is pretty slummy now. Well, so like, so when you would go out to, I would assume that's like Mendo, right? Because you're yeah. flying to San Fran, and then you're going what across the bridge and north northeast mm-hmm. of that. Yeah, well, a little bit, yeah. Yeah, so like you're going past Oakland. I mean, obviously Oakland's rough. But yeah, I just I like I don't know. My preference has always become like, I mean, Southern California's nice. You can't beat Southern California. But even in LA, I mean, that that's the slummiest of the. Well, yeah. When I talk like Southern California, I'm talking like like Malibu, you know, the 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 ocean, um, Orange County, and all those that are just like. Like, I don't fly into L.A. anymore. When I got to travel out west, I don't fly into L.A. I will fly into John Wayne in Orange County. I will do that any day of the year, and I will add an extra two hours to my trip drive time to get where I need to be if I got to go north because LAX is an absolute shit show, and I won't do it anymore. Hmm. Um, but, just, just since we were doing bold predictions a few minutes ago, um, before we go, because I'm gonna die. Um, that's not a prediction. That's just I'm tired. Um, uh, that's good. So f- the Phillies are gonna win the World Series. The Bills are definitely gonna win the Super Bowl, but the Chiefs are gonna lose to the Jaguars. Just throwing that out there. Well, the the bat, uh, world uh, championship. What do you say? Nuggets. Man. You know, I would love for the Nuggets to do it. Uh, I, I mean, they're they're without a doubt at their current health and all that. They are absolutely the best team in the West. I mean, it is not even close. It's just open this year, and they uh, like Jokic is going to win the MVP again, or should? I don't know if the, I. I don't know that the NBA Maybe can third time in a row. Third time in a row. I don't know that they could let it happen, but he should at least at this point. 
Um, yeah, the Bills, they got to win. That fan base is crazy. Uh, you know, every, everybody, if your team isn't in in the super or isn't in the playoffs, there's no I, reason not to cheer for the Bills. I was going to say, how do you not, in, in despite the, the, DeMar Hamlin, Hamlin yeah. getting hurt, like, the Bills are a fun team to watch. Mm-hmm. And they're a fun it, fan base. And their fan base is behind it. They they stick behind it. Like, and they're, you know. Von um, Miller will get another ring. I think it's hilarious when they beat some team out of the playoffs and they sit there and say, okay, well, uh, you know, Jared Goff, we just beat you as an LA Ram. We're going to donate half a million dollars to your, <laughs> yep. to your, your, your uh, nonprofit. And it's like, that's a good fan base. I and mean, then uh, Phillies Mariners, Phillies win. Phillies Mariners, you're calling them Mariners. Philly, Phillies Mariners. They're finally the the piece of shit fucking Astros are going to die, and Otani will be a San Francisco Giant. He's gonna go hit 700 home runs over that short right field wall. I'm not going to argue the Otani being in San Fran because you also got a huge fan base there yeah. that he could play into. Yep, but that's and not then, a home run. That's not a home run park. Yeah, but that but right that right field fence is short as fuck. Yeah, it's not like Coors Fieldy, but like that. I mean, there is no doubt that they built that park because Barry Bonds is left-handed. Yep. <laughs> now. uh I do believe in, in some of these conspiracies, though, so I do think that the Bills have that going for them with this whole injury with Hamlin. Um, I mean, if you look back at the Patriots when they won, like, in 2000. Right, 2001. And or, then, yeah. like, uh, the Ravens. What, what happened with the Ravens? I forget, but uh, it was like the whole Ray Lewis um like tour, but like some crazy stuff happened where it, it was like destiny. Sports is weird, man. I mean, like you yeah. saw the 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 that was the first kickoff that was returned by the Bills in three years and three months, and they ended the game with exactly three hundred and thirty yards of offense and all that. I mean, like I don't. You can't even it, uh, if if the NFL was scripted. The yeah, the script writer wouldn't do it that on the nose because it'd be too scripted. So like, I, mean, I would, that's, the, that's the beauty of sports. I mean, well, it's, it all comes out. It's great. Sports are amazing. I don't understand people that don't get romantic about all sports. Really, I could do without. Like, I don't really give a shit about basketball, and mostly because my team is terrible and the ownership is terrible, and you know. And like same thing with hockey. I'm over the fucking Blackhawks. They're, I just, they're fucking awful. And so I'm just not watching hockey right now. Plus yeah. that situation oh. with the with the coach and all that. I was just like, you know, I'll just take this opportunity to just watch football and baseball because yeah, St. Louis is definitely a Cardinals Blues town, but the Blues are have been awful. I've learned that because I'm, I'm, like I said, I'm firmly ingrained in Cardinals Twitter, 
which is also kind of blues Twitter. And it's man. Yeah. Right, so I got to find out. I've, I've asked you, Mike, how you became a Cardinals fan and all your, your teams. But, Adam, how did yeah. you become a Cardinals fan? Man, so it's it, so when you think about growing up, like the Rockies didn't come around until I was eight years old, nine years old, plus. And that, you know, some like whenever I would watch ball games with my granddad, or my dad, it was always WGN Cubs games, honestly. And my dad hated the Cubs for whatever reason. And so, and plus, my dad really, you know, growing up, he was a huge like Mike Matheny fan as a player. And so we just, we, at least myself, I became ingrained with Matheny. And like, I was a big guy that was like, you know, you'd be in your, nobody on your your nobody on stance and my knees would be touching the ground it's fun you know you get down that big crouch like Matheny used to that's that's kind of how it all came about I mean the don't get me wrong I definitely cheered for the car or for the Rockies but it was always kind of Cardinals in the back of my mind it was it, you know it just so happened that I moved to St. Louis, and it's like, okay, well, this is easy. But, yeah, that's kind of where it all came from. I do miss the, like, I honestly do miss, like, the simplicity of, like, WGN. and just Oh, what, your day game on a Saturday yeah, day? Yeah, oh, like, all of that, simple time, not all you this. You really didn't care who the Cubs were. You cared who they were playing. Correct. Yeah, that yeah, was it. Like, oh, the Cubs are playing the Giants. Let's, we, yeah. They're on national TV. Let's, let's yeah. watch them play. Wednesday and, night baseball. Yeah, there was, the, there was that. There was like, you know, during that time, you've got um, the Yankees were good. And, yeah. you know, you've got home run races. And you've got people like Randy Johnson, um, who in hindsight was tipping all of his pitches. It just didn't matter because oh. he was that good. Um, no, he, he was the they're like, I re- I miss the days of baseball tonight. Sean, you probably, and Mike, you watch sports too. It's like, baseball tonight was like one of those things in like, oh my God. Late middle school, early high school. Web, like, I got to get in top 10. Web gems. Yes. I got to see Sandy Alomar doing a web gem up the middle with Cleveland. You know, and laying out for one and backhanded at second base or, you know. Whatever it was, Kenny Lofton back in the day was a big. I playmate. fucking loved Kenny Lofton. Oh, he was he was one of the best. Couldn't he hit it, but he would go get the ball in the gap. Same thing with Gary mm-hmm. Sheffield. I loved Gary Sheffield. Sheffield, you know, he probably, uh, probably one of the most imitated batting stances of all time. Him and Griffey, <laughs> whether you're right-hander or left-hander, you still tried to do the chuck. Yeah. It is what it is, but yeah, I mean, those those were the days growing up. I have to ask Sean, who was your, who's your? Well, I say it's two ways. Who was your catching? Who did you get prototyped as? From a catching standpoint, huh? I don't know if I've ever been told that, but my my guy was always Pudge. Yeah. 
So you never got prototyped? Uh-uh. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, I got prototyped as, as Alomar Jr. for the Indians. Because he was tall and lanky. <laughs> and then, well, I mean, but my dude was Pudge Girl. Like, that dude, that, like, how could it not be? Yeah. Talk about a violent thrower behind the plate. That guy was violent behind the plate. Yeah, he was he was phenomenal to watch. Yeah. And also, I had I had one. I had a I had a Mariner scout actually tell me one time that I he remind I reminded him of Charles Johnson. I'm like. Fucking Charles Johnson, the Marlins catcher back in the day, that was darker than night. Mm. Like, I could see it. Five eleven. He goes, yeah, but he was just kind of a bullheaded dude that just got after it. I'm like, oh, okay, I guess. I had to go like, he was legit. Yeah. Oh yeah, he was legit, and I, I had to go like on dial up to look up, you know, <laughs> like who this guy was at one point. Yeah, it was. uh I always got compared to to Alomar Jr. and the Charles Johnson one was the one that stuck out. And the only reason I got compared to Alomar Jr. was because he was tall and lanky. But Pudge was a dude. Pudge was really, really was the dude. I mean, that was you know I think I feel like there was a good portion of time, and maybe it's just because I remember Pudge. And like Mike Piazza, and but I feel like there was a good portion of time where like catchers were not not saying that like they were important or not not important or whatever. But I just remember there being like this, like like they were the character. Like you, like yeah, that was a centerpiece. I mean, I don't know something about catchers has always I been. Think, I think when Piazza came. When Piazza got big, it was all like everybody wanted to go offensively at the catch position. Nobody cared about defense. Who's your guy now? Huh? Who's your catcher now? Man, if you asked me six months ago, it was Yachty. I think that's an obvious answer. But JT Real Muto. Yeah, I I was a huge fan of him. And and, uh, from a catch and throw guy. I don't think there's anybody better than Rio Muto. And the way he handles that staff, I mean, he's got some studs on that staff. He's got some names on that staff that, you know, when you talk about Aaron Nola and some of them guys, like, he's got some dudes, and he handles them well. I really like the kid from um, Baltimore. Uh, he's got Adam a really something. long name. What did you say, Sean? Adam something like Hutt. Hudson. It's Hudson. Hudson. Um, no, I know he went to Oregon State. Um, fuck, what is his name? I'm looking it up because I don't remember. It's something like, oh, uh, Adley Rushman. Yeah. I don't know why I thought his name started. Uh, I thought it started with an M for some reason, but yeah. Like, no, that kid's good. He, they'll, they'll honestly probably pull him because he swings it so well. They'll probably pull him out to a first base position and they if i remember right i don't know i got a buddy of mine that's huge into like looking at minor league teams and who's coming up 
they've got a really good, really good defensive catcher coming up. They I mean, they have a really good farm right now. Well, how can you not? You've one, been at the top of the draft for the last one of <laughs> no shit, no shit. Um, one of the um, a good friend of mine, Greg, who was a father on Caden's baseball team last year, he's a diehard Balt, basically Baltimore everything fan. Um, but he's a baseball guy through and through. And we would talk farm system stuff all the time. And um, when they got a holiday, um, I, I didn't realize their farm system was, you know, as good as it was. And I'm like, oh, well, that's, I mean, that's not a bad pickup. And he goes, dude, we are so set. If they, if they don't fuck it up, we <laughs> are going to be really good for a while. And if they nope. if they get smart, if they take after the Braves, who have somehow I don't know if the if all of the players that play for the Braves just don't have agents or whatever, because like they get these guys to sign the dumbest fucking deals for the longest time ever, and they've got control of all these guys for like ten years. Well, here's the funny thing: think about this. When you see those big deals in Georgia, you think of those big deals down in Miami, and Tampa, like Tampa's not signing anything big just because they don't have the payroll for it. Taxes. 100% taxes. So if I'm an agent and I'm, I'm, I'm helping a guy through a signing period, whether it's free agency or it's, you know, whatever it is, I'm going to tell you go where taxes are less. Yeah. This offer in on paper that Atlanta's giving is less monetarily than the, the New York Mets game. Right, but right? then you got to go pay 11,000 different tax brackets. Exactly. Yeah. But if you're in Georgia, you only got to pay two of those tax brackets. Uh-huh. Right? In Florida, you don't have to pay income tax. So that's where a lot of these deals happen is because, it's again, it's not a – like it's very much driven by athletics, but it is a business at the end of the day. Yep. And that's how a lot of these guys, and that's why they hire agents because these guys aren't fucking thinking about that. They're like, oh, I want to go play for a ship. <laughs> do you want to go play for a ship or do you want to go make out of this $12 million, you know, this $12 million guaranteed a year that you're going to make, right. you keep 10 of it right. instead of six. Yeah. I think I'm going to keep 10. Difference. Yeah. To see what happens. So, if we win, that'd be cool. But I don't know. I would well, and, but that's 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 a big thing down in Atlanta too, right? It's like, um, what was the name of their old stadium down there? Turner. Turner Field. Yeah. So Turner was in Atlanta County, right? So Atlanta's got different taxing than Cobb County, where they're at now, where SunTrust is. Well. Turner, Turner Field went through renovations like, you know, 10 years ago to get up into this upper echelon of, of NFL or MLB stadiums. Then all of a sudden they turn around and they're like, well, we're going to close Turner Field down. We're, the Braves are going to move out to Cobb County. And everybody's like, what? Like, what the hell? Like, as a taxpayer in Atlanta County, I'd be like, what the fuck? You're taking this out of our county, like, economics-wise, that doesn't make sense. But for a player standpoint, a business standpoint, Cobb County had better taxation. So 
these guys are, you know, when we're talking about millions and millions of dollars of taxation, it makes a huge difference. When it comes I, I think I think they're going to Atlanta because they're just a well-run organization rather than like saving a little bit of money on taxes. Because, I mean, no matter where you're going, you're still making a lot of money to a game that you love. I mean, there's no doubt that. Yeah, I agree with that. I just think it's a little bit added. Oomph. Oh yeah, it's a, it's an. I mean, they they even they talk about that now though. They openly talk about it on, you know, and I mean even NFL does that. You know, they'll they'll literally be saying like, well, this guy's gonna go. He's gonna end up signing with. So. Go ahead. Go ahead. Sorry. I was gonna say like they will literally say so and so is gonna end up. You know, James Harden is talking about going back to Houston, and. Because he's going to go there and not pay state income tax, versus going to play for the Lakers, yeah, where they, so they actually have to pay taxes in every city that they're playing. You're 100 so, percent right. You're right. Half of your games are at home, or right. third of your games are at home. Your your odds are you know just percentage wise that you're paying less taxes. Plus, you buy a home. You buy everything else there. You buy property. You buy real estate. Sure. You start investing into the. You start investing into the community, which is so funny. It, it came up with Jamie Watt. It's like, man, he invested so much into this Phoenix community. I'm like, well, why the fuck wouldn't you invest in the Phoenix community? Hey, it's cheaper than fuck. <laughs> Outside of Phoenix City, it's cheaper than shit to live. Well, Scottsdale too, but it's cheaper than shit to live out there, and you don't have property taxes out there. You don't. That's you don't mind have so why not build up a bunch of these schools and everything else that you can flop into a 501c3 work your way around taxes and yeah i'm 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 not saying jj watts a bad guy <coughs> but <clears throat> he's looking at it more from a business standpoint again it's like why why do i not we we as a company my company we literally took our LLC out of the state of Missouri into the state of Texas in the past 16 months because our taxations were different in the state of Texas than they were Missouri and in more favor. Of course. Which doesn't affect me as an employee. It does, but it doesn't because I'm more on the, you know, I get shares and everything else, but it's it's just a better overall economic system in these places that don't hammer everybody from a taxes standpoint. Speaking of taxes, before we go, because I really do need to go now, because I'm I'm dying here. Um, <laughs> while we were on this podcast, the WWE was sold to Saudi Arabia. Really. As a as a country, they were sold. Well, to they I mean to like a Saudi prince, and they're going to take the company back private, and wow. it's going to be weird. It's going to be very it's going weird. Down, it's going down. It is. I'm going to the Royal Rumble in in a couple of weeks, so I'll be interested to see what goes on there with that. But I don't care. Wyatt just wants to go and have fun. He's not going to give a shit who fucking owns the company. So. Anyway, well, this has been joyous. To be completely honest, I did not think that we'd be able to get two and a half hours out of this, not because of, for any other reason than I just didn't have anything like planned. 
Um, so to get two and a half hours out of this is pretty neat. And, yeah, sure. and we didn't say anything that I have to like go edit out. So that's fucking great too. So I literally can just like take it out of the thing, plug it into the thing, upload it to the thing, and then it'll be out there into the world. So, um, John, just, it was good catching up, man. It was a good time. Yeah, for sure. If, if I'm ever, at, well, whenever I get out there, I'll definitely hit you up. Hit me up. We'll show you a good time for sure. It's decent. Right. I, I actually, you know, it's really fun. I've been to St. Louis so many times now that like when I was, I was booking our hotel this morning for the opening day trip, I was able to like know where stuff was like I'm booking yep. it. And I'm like, I don't want to stay there because I don't want to stay over by this thing. And like, I remember walking from hotel Lumiere and how long of a walk that was to get to the stadium yeah. or wherever. I'm like, yeah, I'd rather stay at this place because it's yeah. half a mile from the stadium. I don't have to worry about death between there and the stadium. And so, yeah. Hey, Lewis has some good points and bad points, but yeah, I get it. Sean, you will absolutely adore that stadium. It's a glorious place. I, I love any any stadium to be honest with you. It's, it's uh, he, here's the thing though, and I'm a I'm a I am a Cardinals fan, so I'm not going to sit here and pretend like I'm not biased. I'm, but also on the flip side, I'm not going to pretend like if I go to PNC or Petco or one of those places, I'm not going to say it's a nicer stadium if it is or whatever. But what what St. Louis has that currently nobody else really does. The Rockies tried but they're the Rockies and like other places have tried. The Royals are going to try the aura of ballpark village and, and Bush and all that is just like for a, for a baseball person, it is, it's like a Mecca. I mean, like it's, it's akin to like the way that, you know, uh, a, a lifelong Yankees fan like Tony. I mean, when he, he told me the first time he went to Yankee stadium, he cried. And, um, it's, it's like the whole thing is just so baseball. It's just so great. You'll love it. When you, the go. way I put it is like to people back home, I guess is like the way the Broncos are cherished back home. And like, it's, it's a, it's an event The the, the home, games are an event like let's go down and tailgate and all this and that that is the cardinals 98 percent of the games that they play at home mm -hmm. like yeah. all the is packed it's yeah. it's an event downtown and well, to, so, to be it's, it's cool it's mind-boggling to me i will leave everybody with this that we are the second in MLB attendance to the Dodgers. Like 13th in payroll? Well, 16th in payroll, which is, ugh, God, don't get, don't get me started. But <laughs> the, 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 um, what, what am I, what word am I thinking of? The people that live there. Why can't I think of what it's called? Hello City? No, I mean, yeah, like the population. The Metro East? Population of St. Louis versus the population of Los Angeles is like there's the, the Dodgers had 3 million people come last year. The Cardinals had 2.9 million people come last year. 80 million people live in, in LA, 2 million people live in St. Louis. So it's like, 
it's that's that's the that's the goes to show you like that is i mean you'll you'll see when it i i actually am put i'm saying into the ether that like when you go if i'm available to go sean i would like to go too because you like you are a pure enough baseball fan that like i want to be there when you experience it that's kind of how i feel because it's that different and that like i keep telling myself i want to go to all 30 ballparks and like i just keep going back to st louis and i get it i'm a cardinals fan it's easy but like going to st louis taking an hour and 30 minute flight dropping down in st louis going to a game in ballpark village is it's something man it is a special thing i hope you do it i really hope you do it and when you do it i'd like to go if i'm available so i'm 100 percent going to do it uh i mean the thing that i i love about st louis is the passion that the fans have and that's the thing that i am jealous of envious of like when you go to a rockies fan game it's it's just gonna you're gonna see the other team's fans and it's partly because we have so many transplants that come here so it's kind of unfair but Mm -hmm. we're just not very good teams so but cardinals have been good for decades and they have the history they have a great stadium they have good management Maybe not from what you guys are saying, but <laughs> they do. Well, they, I mean, it's, it's listen, good man. It's just everyone's there. Us, the the so. same guy that I talk shit about, Mo. The same guy I talk shit about is the same guy that traded for Goldie and traded for Nolan. So I can't hate him totally. And Holiday. And yeah. Yep. You just need to go down the line. <laughs> yeah, Larry Walker, a, a lifelong Cardinal. Um, oh yeah, where where are your minor league team, man? Where are the Triple A team for the Cardinals? <laughs> Yeah, it's hey, great. I like it. I like it because you guys have fed us, so, you know, not only some good ball players, but holidays on the bench. It's going to be great. Yeah. It's going to be great. So, I got, before we get off, I do want to tell you a story about um, uh, a baseball trip that we did. Do you guys know Brandon Kelly, BK? Oh, yeah. Yep. All right. So, what a name. He's... I haven't heard that name in a long time. BK. So, I- I call him the most interesting man on the earth, basically. Um, But he basically set up this trip out to Diamondback Stadium. And somehow, some way through his connections, he was able to secure the hot tub area. So we ended up going down there. And we've done it twice now. But we went down there and we, we took over the pool area and it was just nothing but Colorado Rockies fans throwing up Colorado flags and we were getting absolutely killed and we we're just yelling all the Rockies fans name or all the Rockies players names like during batting practice and it, it was just one of the best experiences ever so that that will go down as the ultimate like baseball trip I've ever done that sounds lovely to be completely yeah. honest well, you're not even supposed to be able to rent that out, like unless you're like a season ticket, like Diamondbacks fan. So somehow through his connections, he was able to do it, and it was just he made it happen, and it was magic. That sounds great. I mean, this is the this is baseball is one of those things, man, and that's that's why it's like, you know, you go, every you go to any football stadium, and it's going to be a hundred yards. And it's gonna it's gonna be fifty three and a half yards wide, and 
like the stadium itself might be different, but like ultimately you're looking at the same thing to go to a baseball stadium. And like, like I said, in St. in San Francisco, right field is short or you got the porch in New York or, you know, you go to Wrigley with the, the, the Ivy on the back. Yeah. Or like, I mean, shit, Sean, one thing you'll, you'll really notice when you go to Bush is it's in the ground. So like Coors field is built on the ground. So it's like the ground up. You can, when you're standing on the street in 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 ballpark village you are looking down into uh center field cuz it's okay. built into the ground it's not like it's 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 hard to explain but when you go you understand that's why made it in Houston too Minute Maid's funky like that where it's right downtown you wouldn't notice it if you're walking by it you look through those arches where pools is uh yes grand run against Brad Lynch was and you look down, you're looking down on the field. It's 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 pretty cool. Yeah, I've been, I've been to Minute Maid. Yeah, Minute Maid's a cool park. That's the place it's I'd a, like to go, but I fucking hate the Astros so much. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so you guys need to check out like diagrams of the Oakland A's. What what they're trying the to stadium. Yeah. Have Have you seen the diagram of it? Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, we're yeah. Actually, from a business standpoint. I'm in talks with Vegas city and county right now if 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 the athletics organization decides to come down to vegas that's where yeah it's not 100 percent approved yet the the city won't commit to us yet on that but we uh maybe i shouldn't be saying this but we're uh we're we're we're, uh we're in there um i would i think vegas We'll get a team regardless if it's A's or new team. They'll 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 get a team. Nashville is going to be the next expansion spot. Nashville and probably Montreal. They want to put MLB really badly wants to put a team back up in in Canada. Nashville would be great. The two next expansions will be Nashville and, and Montreal, and then you'll see the A's move down to Vegas. Uh, which honestly is a good move for them. Get Oakland is such a clusterfuck right now. It's terrible. I mean, the Warriors moved out of Oakland, which is crying out loud. Mm-hmm. You know, they've won two championships, three championships, whatever it is. That, were, that wasn't all in Oakland. Huh? I don't think that was all Oakland. Oh, yeah. They were at, they were at the Oracle Arena. Yep. Right there. Oh, Other than the last one. I, I, saw, I thought you said the Raiders. Sorry. Oh, no, no. Yeah, the, the Warriors. That was all at Oracle. No, the last one, I don't think they won in the last one. I think they lost, right? The new one in, in San Fran? Then they they won it last year. I mean, they, they have five altogether. No, maybe you're right. Because they've been there. A lot. Because Steph Curry's really good at basketball. two years old. So, yeah. They, yeah, so they would have won it last year in that arena. Well, hey. you guys are great. Thanks for doing this. I appreciate it. Yeah, it's been I fun. Yeah, we'll we'll do something. I'm just gonna stop the recording so then we can just say bye without boring these people. <laughs> recording. <laughs>